0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 15, I think we decided before the podcast, episode 15 of A-List, presented as, by always, Oliver's Funeral Home in Grand Prairie, Alberta. Oliver's Funeral Home in Grand Prairie is ready to handle every detail of the funeral planning process with compassion and understanding. Our friends over at Oliver's treat us right and they will treat you right too. Coping can be a long process, much like if you're Tony D'Angelo and you just got waived this morning by the New York Rangers and you're not necessarily sure what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Maybe you run your Twitter account. I'll wait. You shut that thing down, too. Anyway, dealing with the loss of a loved one is hard and you shouldn't have to go through it alone. Oliver's is ready to help. Landon, how's it going today?
1: I'm great. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Did I cut out?
0: You sound great. That was the most exhilarating. You sound phenomenal. You were like, yeah, I, uh, I'm pretty great. I am just I'm doing great.
1: great. I'm going to chill, you know, even keel. Well, I know. You just live. didn't seem very eager about not it. Low. Well, I don't want you know, can't be too. That's, too what Coach
0: Schmidt, that's what Coach Schmidt always can't said to me. Can't just be, be even too, keel.
1: too aggressive on a Sunday morning. You know, you right. You you shrank, shrank no football
0: morning. first time no football on a exactly. Sunday in a while
1: drank my morning coffee watched the church read read some of my book I'm I'm even keel right now I can't be too aggressive no nice. football no, I, uh, started a, I started watching
0: I started watching yeah I started watching a no sh- new show on uh on Crave called Billions they're talking about it on PNT a little bit. So I finally started to uh, started to watch it and man, it's wild. It's actually like, I'm only three or four episodes in. and like, it's actually a r- crazy good show. I don't even have stuff. I don't know what they're talking about. Cause it's a lot to do with like manipulating stocks and insider trading and this, that, and the other thing. So I don't necessarily know all the, all the language that's going on, but there's a lot of like, you know, phenomenal actors that are in it that I've seen in a couple other shows. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I really, I really like the show, but that's what I've been doing this Sunday. Had a bagel. Started watching. Peyton and I are watching another show. We started watching that too. Life is good here on so this. So you,
1: uh, you're watching billions, so you can start trading GameStop stock and uh, AMC, you know, BlackBerry, Nokia.
0: I'd be lying to you if I uh, if I if on the weekend I wasn't googling how the f- how, like how am I supposed to trade stocks? How can I get involved from my iPhone? Like I I was like, I don't want to buy hundred dollars worth of stock in twenty dollars. I was looking at Nokia because apparently the rumor was Nokia was going to be the next one that they were gonna they were gonna flip or whatever. And so I was looking at the the price of Nokia and it was at like five or six bucks a share. And I'm like, man, if this is what GameStop did, like that could go to two hundred bucks, and all of a sudden I'm laughing. And I was only (laughs) gonna like probably spend maybe fifty dollars buying you know six dollars stocks, but if you know fifty dollars, that could turn into few grand right away um but i didn't honestly know how to f- figure it out like i looked at apps and there's not. i downloaded one app to maybe start uh looking into it but then i got and the first thing that like the app asked me for is like my uh, it needs like proof of how proof not enough, of identity proof of and stuff and, like, my name yeah a bunch of shit to the like it said my yeah. like, sin number two and i'm like damn right i'm not giving you my sin number there's no way in hell i'm giving this random app my sin number so that stopped me in my tracks and i and i didn't uh, become a day trader but i was like thinking about it i'm like man this would be awesome i know dallin i know dallin put put some stocks in uh he had some GameStop and uh you nokia know, and blackberry because there's a bunch of random ones that were shooting up
1: i uh i didn't look into putting any of those in because the the place I trade with has like your transaction fees. So it's like 10 bucks a trade. And I'm like, I'm not paying that every time I want to swap in and out of game But anyway, I did look at how to do cryptocurrency quickly. And I, cause I saw, oh, did Twitter, you? I saw on Twitter like late on Friday night or Thursday night, that Dogecoin was trending. Like, I don't know if anyone here listening does uh, like knows anything about cryptocurrency, but like, you know, you have your Bitcoin, Ethereum, the big dogs, but then you have your random cryptocurrencies like Dogecoin, it's called. It's literally named after a meme.
0: And literally, and- like, I think the thing with like that and the difference between that one and Bitcoin is like, I don't necessarily think you can actually use Dogecoin on no, anything. You like, can't I don't use
1: Dogecoin on anything. It's essentially, it's just a stock for no reason whatsoever. But anyway, I looked it up because it was trending on Twitter and uh, it was at 0.003 per share. And the next morning when I woke up, it was sitting at 0.31 and I was like, it went up to 31 cents overnight because people were like, let's take Dogecoin to the moon. And I was like, if you put $20 in before bed, you're sitting at like, thousand bucks already
0: (laughs) i know like that's that's so crazy and uh who was it who was it oh yeah no it was when we were looking at it the one day i looked at it and it was less than half a cent it was less than half a cent to buy (laughs) a stock and then it was six cents and then it kept going up and i'm that's like even if you spend yeah you know a 100 bucks on there holy hell
1: it's still up right now look at that this is it shot up this morning this this morning
0: jeez (laughs) <laughs> See, and that's like a stock that like why wouldn't you get into?
1: Oh, yeah, like who cares? Buy 20 bucks worth of oh, 1 cent stock like or you who cares?
0: That's, that's a like, wolf of Wall Street and penny stocks crap. Yeah,
1: exactly. But it, the weird thing is it's penny stocks and stuff that doesn't really exist, so like you can't really use it. At least like Bitcoin you can actually use it at some places. So anyway, that's I, yeah, enough. But you
0: can't go to a you can't go to you can't go to a vending machine with Bitcoin. You could be worth 40 million dollars in that's Bitcoin. True. And now, and then you want to buy yourself a, a pop from the vending machine. You can't. I, I did broke.
1: see people buy like cars and stuff using Bitcoin, though. So, Can I wonder you? if you could
0: buy a house with Bitcoin.
1: Depends. I'm no, sure you could. You somewhere. probably could, like as long as the. I person- remember
0: looking at Bitcoin, like when this whole Bitcoin trend started a few years ago, and like the stock, I think when it was like, oh, Bitcoin is skyrocketing, and it was at like two thousand, three thousand dollars a share. And now it's at like twenty grand a share, which Uh is like, can you imagine? Even if you bought in at five grand,
1: that's four times. That'd
2: be
0: nice.
1: Yep. Um, All right, that's enough stock. Stock, stock. Holy cow! Stock talk. Stock talk. That's a hard one. Stock talk. Um, Let's do some NHL talk. That's what we are a podcast about. NHL. Dylan Dubé laid a nasty hit on. Yasperi Kotkiniemi, love saying that name uh, of the Montreal. I think very good
0: finish on that one.
1: And I don't know. It's kind of a, it was kind of a weird hit because I did see Dubé was coming around that net, flying like he had him in his train tracks. I don't think he was aiming entirely for his head. Kokkinami kind of tried to step out of the way. He did end up hitting him right to the head. And regardless of whether he meant to or not, it was probably a little bit of a charge either way. And the fact that he's not getting a hearing about it is actually crazy because there have been things that were way less worse that have been getting hearings or the fact that the Capitals, four players in the Capitals got four games for hanging out with each other in their hotel room when they're already hanging out with each other in the dressing room, which made no sense to me. But then you actually have something that's dangerous and could hurt a guy or could have him out, injure a guy, no hearing. I, I think that NHL player safety is absolutely – doesn't know where to go. They have no precedent. They have no line. They're just kind of guessing.
0: Yeah, no, I think, uh, like, George Peros, the head of – it's funny to say George Peros <laughs> is the head of NHL player safety when I mean, George Peros literally beat the crap out of guys for a living in the NHL. And But maybe that is Goon why –
1: that's maybe that's why he is part of player safety now because he knows like the damage can be done.
0: True. But then you would say, I mean, like the Dubé one, like obviously this guy, he doesn't have a history. He, I don't think he's a dirty player by any means. And I don't think there was like an intent to smoke him in the head, but like, regardless, that's definitely a hearing worth play. Like huh? if the intent isn't there. I get that's one thing, but I mean, the, the, the hit was directly to the head and I mean, if, if one of our guys – you know, if McDavid got hit to the head like that, then you know what? Mm-hmm. Dubay probably gets 5-10 games. And when, he it's hits funny though when you look at the, Yeah, exactly. And it's funny, though, when you look at the clip – I remember my first time seeing the clip, and I'm looking, and you see Kachuk in the corner. The whole time I'm watching that clip, I'm watching Kachuk because I thought maybe he did something bad. I didn't even pay attention to the hit because I'm just assuming that Kachuk did something he shouldn't have.
1: Yeah, Kachuk too, though, like even the fact that – and. I mean, most, any of you who listened to the last episode heard me and Dale talk about how we didn't think the truck fell on uh, Jack Campbell's Yeah, we head should in, address that. In, in, on purpose and immediately, out, maybe probably an hour after, as per usual, we, oh, see, if that, if we see a completely different angle that 100%, no doubtedly, he totally pile-drived his knees on top of Jack Campbell's head. But either way, that should have been had a hearing as well. Like even, so Kachuk's a repeat offender. He does that. You give him three games, whatever. Then you get Dubé who's not a repeat offender. He did the hit, whether he meant to or not, give him a game, one game, like a little slap on the wrist. That's all you need. I know
0: like even, even not to just like, cause I guess whenever you get a hearing, like whether it's, a, I think a phone call one, you can get a max of up to five games. If you have an in-person hearing, it's for sure going to be, you know, a high, high, high suspension. But like, why they couldn't even do a phone call hearing with Dubay and been like, like, you know, hey, we want to get your side of things. you know that probably wasn't intentional. I mean, even if it was intentional, like Dubay's not going to go on a phone call and a hearing and say, "Yeah, I meant to rock him in the head there." Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I don't know. I think there's no history for the guy. But now it's like, so if Dubay does something like this again, in theory, he should have a history of it. But it's like that won't play into a factor yeah. of a suspension. Yeah, that's true um they should have probably gave him a game let him sit down at the very very least you can do a fine can you not yeah yeah you can find uh, thing. No, i want to know where all the fine money goes in the nhl because like usually they just put it in a control. jar
1: and they have a big party at the end of the year like junior
0: yeah george peros he does the initiation for all the, the guys that are going to be the new uh, player safety guys um yeah no i thought he should i don't know i got i don't got much more to say on that topic um i do want to apologize about uh the math you could chuck takes that we all had um oh no 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 yeah, never we,
1: apologize we... for a take never ap- you just simply edit your take you don't apologize
0: yeah exactly like what they say on part of my take yeah. there's a material change material exactly. change before it hit the desk um but yeah no we saw that extra angle so it, it was almost it's almost like when in the summer when we did the, the podcast with sandy we do a big baseball podcast and then right after we finish recording there's a brawl between the Houston Astros and the Oakland Athletics like we always find a way to miss something like something that happens or um I think when we talked about I think we didn't talk about women we were talking about women in sports and how there or there wasn't any no there wasn't any NHL news that week we're like what are we talking about this week we don't even know and then i think a day after was it the Montreal Canadiens that signed a woman um to be one of their one of their skaters no who was the It was after the Kim Ng. There was a. There was a. Maybe it was Haley Wickenheiser. I don't know what it was, but all I know is that we have bad luck sometimes with uh, recording and then missing some news. I think I know. I'll find what I'll find what I'm sure was the
1: Blues. But anyway, I remember. Um, I remember
0: it was when Jordan Chase messaged me. Oh no! It was the. It
1: was the Blackhawks. So they someone. That's who it was. Yeah, but anywho, um, no, I totally lost my train of thought. Back to
0: yeah, the- no, yeah, when the Chicago Blackhawks got Kendall Coin Sch- Schofield. Yes, Sch- Yeah, Schofield, Schofield,
1: yeah. So I think, that here's what I was going to say, the issue is because we do our podcasts in the morning, so there's still an entire day of events that happens, and then you hear the podcast the next day. But we don't have, like, I'm not going to be staying up till 1130 doing a podcast that I don't get paid for. Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. you <laughs>
0: You should, uh, I mean, if you guys, if, if any of the listeners want uh, on the button takes, you each transfer me $5 and I'll give you a hot one minute take and I'll, I'll send it. I'll put it on the Instagram and Live I'll say, stream? Hey, this is art, this is the A-list take. This is what we think. This is what everyone thinks about it. One minute, $5, mm. we'll call it a day. And if you
1: send $20, I will give you a take that will guarantee get me on Twitter roasted
0: so there we go i like that you could you could probably you could tweet something like uh i love tony i absolutely D'Angelo. love tony d'angelo yeah. and i hope that he the leafs pick him up and he plays with morgan riley because you know what Jake I might Muzzin's a
1: anyway. i'm just gonna tweet that and see if people pick it up as sarcasm or if people you think should
0: no you should tweet you should tweet that the leaf should sign tony d'angelo because i don't know if justin hole is quite ready yet
1: <laughs> yeah, i'm gonna tweet that and see if it, people think i'm being serious or not. you're gonna yeah
0: you'll get blasted online for that account I'll, I'll i'll like it i'll like the tweet for sure
1: uh, hey i don't want to bury the lead here or talk about, talk about myself but i hit thousand twitter followers that was kind of cool for me oh dalen's
0: giving me that's yes, congrats blast. that's actually no i'm impressed I'm, I'm i'm impressed with you brett owes you a cake now he does he said he'd make um, me a cake, he 1, a cake yeah so brett will get you a cake um we're unfortunately not joined by Brett today. He's doing the classic. Uh, Sleeping. Snoozing. Well, he did text um he was like, Brett, we got two minutes before we record. And about 22 minutes later, he said, oh, my fuck. Damn. Sad face. <laughs> <laughs> Sad face. And even last night, I'm like, hey, Brett, can you make it? All good if not. Would love to see your face, though. I miss you. And he said, I miss you, too. I'll be there. Wow. Yeah. That's anyway, okay. um, guy. well, speaking
1: yeah, so of Tony Angelo, might as well talk about yeah. that. So, uh, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a weird situation. So the guy is a vocal right wing. Did dude. you mention what
0: happened? Did we even mention what really happened? That he got waived. I don't know if he said that or not.
1: Oh uh, no. So yeah, Tony Angelo got waived by the New York Rangers this morning. But the, w- the weird part is that, like, he is a outspoken. He was an outspoken Trump supporter online. Had his own podcast called. I can't remember what it was called, but it was something funny.
0: It was I was like it, uh, you. I actually just was looking at his podcast because I wanted to see if it, there was. It, it was
1: something along the lines of like. The title was basically like, "I'm gonna have my take."
0: Watch your tone. Watch, watch your tone. Your tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: that's what it was called. And uh, so that he had his podcast. They talked about stuff on there. Whatever. People are entitled to their opinion. I mean, he's not the only Trump supporter in America. However, when you're in the public spotlight probably shouldn't be too vocal about your politics no matter what side he's for you should probably just shut up and play hockey
0: and well and there was other things of him like just denying covid like on his twitter and kind of being like i'm gonna sign up for parlor because twitter is censoring me and i think it was more like this guy is more of a pr hassle than he's probably actually worth and i saw a thing too he did like yeah he had a wicked season last year like in terms of points i think it's like 50 60 points as a d man But I also saw a lot of things, too, that, like, he's kind of a huge liability in his own end. Like, he defensively, he's not very good. Uh, He's not strong in his own end, which is kind of the main aspect of being a D-man. You can get away with scoring. six. You can get away with getting 60 points as a D-man if you can also, you know, be half okay in your own end. From what I hear, he's not very good in his own end. And all the shit that he does off the ice is probably just not the best way to bring attention to your team. Um They tried to trade him.
1: And no one wanted to pick yeah, him. Yeah, they've been trying I mean, to trade him in the off season. He had quite a high. And you got like,
0: Keandre. Season. You got Keandre Miller on yeah. on your team as well, which is well, Adam Fox.
1: Awkward. They also have a, uh, oh awkward, yeah. But then they got Adam. So that's what I was gonna say. Like you have Keandre Miller come in, who's suitable fourth, fifth defenseman somewhere in there to bump D'Angelo down the lineup, and then you have Adam Fox who takes over. D'Angelo's spot on the power play one and you have D'Angelo playing like crap he slides down all of a sudden he becomes very expendable they've been trying to trade I him. can imagine what wanted them like it and also I will say I bet you people probably took a, would have taken a stab on the trade if his cap hit was not 4 million 4.2 million dollars something like that but that's a lot of money to pay for a guy who did have one good season but has so far proven himself to not be very good like, look at if you look at like, like Tyson Barry could even make that much money. And he's historically, other than his year in Toronto, better than Tony D'Angelo. So I don't understand where that $100 I, uh, come from.
0: This is going to be kind of wild. I mean, this is kind of off 20 D'Angelo into Tyson Barry. Um, I don't like, I don't even think Tyson Barry is a very good hockey player anymore. Yes, he has five assists and I watch him out there, but like, man, does he make, I mean, I watched it all last year too, but he makes so many like just like little mistakes in terms of turning the puck over or finding himself out of position on the ice. I don't know. Like I feel like his day, his best, I think Barry's best days are like behind him.
1: Hey, for all you A-list personers,
0: I think it, if he, I think he, designed, I think he should keep driving his value down. I think he should keep driving his value down and then to resign Colorado for like 2 million per. Cause I don't yeah. think he's going to have any sort of success unless he's with, you know, Nate dog and the boys.
1: The uh, the amazing thing here, a list listeners, uh, a listers, is that, that that take from Livy comes immediately after he made a trade for Tyson Berry last night in one of our fantasy leagues. So um, trading for a guy you don't like, I'm not sure how that works. Perhaps he's hey, getting did you, did you mention
0: did you mention who else I got part of the deal? did
1: Also pick up Leon Dreisaitl in a blockbuster trade in one of our fantasy leagues.
0: So, and that's uh, and that's to me. That's to me the most important part is That I got Leon Dreisaitl and I didn't have to give up Austin Matthews. My team is still not looking great. We're still. No, your team's fine. They just got a lot of injuries. A lot and of injuries. Got, we got A and Duarteining. Exactly. I, I had those two.
1: Yeah, you got both of them, and what are the odds that had? the trade happens and they both have to sit out? So, yeah, that sucks for you. But anyway, um, I just want to inform you all that uh, that take comes after he made a trade for Tyson Berry. Um, moving off Tony D'Angelo, Tyson Berry, the Leafs and the Oilers first two teams to uh, wear their reverse retros in a game. What the Minnesota Wild will wear theirs. What
0: about the Dallas Stars?
1: Yesterday, considering you'll be hearing this tomorrow, but today is when the Minnesota Wild will. Did be the Dallas Stars
0: games. not wear theirs?
1: No, they wore their uh, blackout third jerseys. Their reverse retro
0: is white. Oh, those are those are that's different.
1: Yeah. They're both ugly as hell, though. They had a very bad jersey offseason. They remi-
0: those those neon green Dallas Star jerseys um, remind me almost of, like, the Oil King jerseys, kind of.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, These look way better those, than the Oil uh, King
0: jerseys, uh, though, I think.
1: Yeah, they're, like, highlighter. The green desk- they're, not, they're not my favorite, but they're okay. But um, either way, the Leafs uh, – I'll be honest when they're skating around a up, you got that close camera shot. They look great. I love the gray. I think they're unique. They're not the classic white and blue striped pattern that the Leafs have on every single Jersey. They're different. The blue and blue logo looks cool. But then when you zoom up to watch the game, I mean, I'm a die-hard Leafs fan, so I know who everybody is based on their skating pattern, but you can't tell who anybody is with their numbers out there because they got blue on blue numbers. So the guys who I don't know on the fourth line and, and like Tyler Boyd or whoever else is on Joey Anderson, those guys, like, pff, I can't tell who they are. Like I can tell who JT is. Cause he skates like a hunchback in Notre Dame lots of times. Willie's got a beautiful stride. Matthew's always crossing over. Those guys are easy. To tell. always gliding. Yeah. Those are easy to tell. So, but either way, not, a, it was a great idea up close. They look stunning, but, uh, which is funny because if you go back and listen to our old pod, I was really shitting on the Leafs jerseys, but uh, they've grown on me. I actually bought myself one of them. I wore it last night during the game. Eh, no, I actually really like them. Uh, they look a lot better in person, dude. They look way better. In person. And
0: like. I know we've been over this before about like the reason they went with the dark grays because they couldn't do white because it just makes it the same jersey that they had. But I bet you those numbers would be a lot easier to, like, recognize if they were outlined with the white instead of the dark gray that, with yeah. what they have. Yeah. I don't know. I, I love the looks of them. Yeah, the numbers are a little tough to see. But I think, like, they, looks, they look sharp. They, they're clean, and they look sharp on the leaves. And it's just something that's – it's it's not, like, crazy um, different. Um, but it's so different for the Toronto Maple Leafs that I just yeah, think exactly. it's, nice see, it's nice to see them wearing something a little different. I, I really liked – the oiler jerseys and Mm -hmm. pants before Mm -hmm. puck drop before puck drop we didn't like them but then when i'm watching no when i'm watching the game there's a couple there's a point someone made on twitter like when they're moving around quick it almost they almost look like calgary flame jerseys like the orange is almost like it almost looks like a red when you're watching Mm. it and the orange pants after a while are terrible no they are terrible like they ruined the whole jersey, I think. I think it's too much orange. I was on the orange pant train to begin with. Like I saw, I thought it was nice, but then when I saw them flying around, and I'm like, I don't know what color you can make those pants to make it look good, but I don't think it's the blue. But the orange is not not it. I think they need the like blue stripe down there or something. They
1: should just wear the orange pants with their orange jerseys and just go orange right up the top
0: that'd be brutal just like yeah. your primary color being orange now that'd be just terrible.
1: yeah or there's got to stop with the orange i'll be honest it is getting a little aggressive Orange is. i like
0: their jerseys when they're, it's the accent when they're
1: just, color it's not i like the yeah
0: exactly like i like i like their originals where the blue and orange where it, you know their base color is blue and then you know they have like the orange yeah. you know linings orange and are, white those Over are the base those are beautiful
1: white with orange and blue but then they try and do these reverse stuff or, like, making the base color See, orange. the reverse
0: retro, I think, like, there's more orange than usual, but they're a pretty nice jersey. I think the pants make it worse than what it needs to be. Mm. It's too much.
1: Interesting. So what if you wear them with blue I don't pants? know how they, so they would look.
0: Maybe better? But I don't know how much blue is on that jersey to begin with. So I don't know, like, I don't know. I was thinking blue because that's the obvious kind of the obvious answer to what you would replace the orange with. But even then, I was just in my head thinking, I don't know, then you'd probably have to change the gloves. Mm, sure. You know, maybe the socks would have to change up a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. So Swing
1: and a miss of, for me. Something interesting for you. Uh, the Oilers are the first NHL team in the history of the NHL to wear orange pants in an NHL game. Saw that on Twitter. Wow. And it wasn't an – no un- fans in the building? It was an
0: unofficial With take. no fans in the building? I could have wore that game as in Toronto yesterday. Mm-hmm. Because I could have swore that game with colors. the blue, with, you know, Toronto wearing blue. And I honestly thought, I'm like, wait, are they already in Toronto? Like, are they back there? I don't think so.
1: It always messes with Toronto my brain. Always messes with my brain when I'm sitting in my living room watching the game. And I think to myself, wait a second. This game's happening just over the river.
0: Yeah, I know. And me can't it. It.
1: if none of the buildings were in the way, and you could just walk in a straight line, I am probably two kilometers away from where that game is being played.
0: Hell, I would... There's got to be a way we could break into that place.
1: Yeah. Sewage? No one sewage, ever... Was, no yeah. one's blocking the sewage ever.
0: The, the vents? There's vents. probably a shit ton of vents in there.
1: No security in vents. Mm. We could also just dress up, you know, like Scooby-Doo used to do. They just put on disguises and people wouldn't know. Put you or on we, just to make, we, like, put a we just learn how to make... a trench coat. learn how on. to
0: make... Uh, Learn how to make media passes or something like that that mm. scan so that we can mm. just walk right mm. in there.
1: Almost like a fake ID. I'll have a,
0: I'll have a thing that says, "Hey, um, I'm Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet." <laughs> That's what it'll say, and it'll scan me right in. Be like, "Hello, Elliot, welcome."
1: <laughs> oh, I haven't seen you, Elliot. You look shorter. Yeah, I am, and younger.
0: <laughs> huh? Weird.
1: And where's your grade? I think. Hair? By, I mean, I don't want
0: to rag on Elliot. I've started listening to that uh, Thirty One Thoughts on um it's it's not it's something yeah it's something nice to listen to and get some NHL info or whatever um but man I I don't this is such an unsolicited shot at Elliot but he is just like he has no style like in terms of his I don't know what it is about his face but it's a punchable face the clothes he wears I don't suit him like I think he tries to dress fancier than what he is he should I don't know I I hate I'm sorry Elliot that was pretty unsolicited but like your sh- I remember one time watching him, the shoes he was wearing. He forgot to wear dress shoes. Oof. Um, Oof. How did you see his shoes? They're behind the desk, usually. So exactly. So one time, like this is a few years ago, me and my dad noticed it, and then we actually tweeted at him, and I think they ended up, I don't think it was, uh, like millions or hundreds of people were probably tweeting at him about the shoes. But he, he was sitting on the one side of the desk, and where the camera was, every time it, like, zoomed out, you could just see his shoes and the bottom half of what he was sitting on. And he was just wearing just like a, just some pair of runners or I don't know what some new Balances I don't know what he was wearing exactly, but uh, no, I don't know why I even, why I had to go there to Elliot. That was pretty ignorant of me, but.
1: It's all right. I'm sure Elliot's not going to be uh, listening to A-list anytime soon. Well,
0: but, you uh, never know. Cause didn't, we, we did try to get Elliot, right? Get didn't we...
1: Yeah, but he, la- he left <laughs> us on red. So you know what? We don't like Elliot now. That was funny you know, when who we, we do were like, we like Bob Stoffer Cause he, he didn't leave. us. Yeah. Like,
0: so when we did that, when we did that interview with Bob Stoffer, we're like, yeah, we just, you know, we're shooting messages off to guys and we were like, yeah, I shot a message off to Elliot and, uh, Bob. I don't think he, he hasn't responded or whatever. And then Bob was like, yeah, good luck with that.
1: <laughs> you know, you're a big shot. When yeah,
0: Good luck with that.
1: <laughs> um, what I was going to say, yeah. the sports net, uh, I love the panel now, uh, their new panel of Brian Burke and Kevin Bieksa and – it's not Anthony Carter. Who's um, – Anthony Stewart. Anthony Stewart. Those three Anthony guys, Stewart. I, I said that. Anthony Stewart. Those three guys, Oh, and David
0: Amber. David Amber.
1: Well, David Amber's the host. He's pretty funny too. But when, when, when Anthony Stewart and Brian Burke start going at each other and then Kevin Bieksa jumps in with a chirp at both of them or tries to like – settle the fighting or like makes a comment that i
0: my favorite funny. part my favorite part about watching them on the desk is uh when they do the, the thing where they have they're obviously all sitting beside each other but they put their faces in all the boxes or whatever there's mm. four boxes and you got beXa uh, you got stewart and david amber they're all smiling having a good time and then burke is in the bottom right corner just livid like just he just no, looks he's so mad. upset he's and pissed just... off i know he's not but it's just so funny when when everyone's smiling and having a good time and he just like he's in the
1: bottom right always too it's always his corner he's just sitting there (laughs) grumpy santa claus
0: he like that would be a guy like if you want to have someone replace you know you want to do a show like don cherry's again berkey berkey's corner would be lovely
1: oh don't even call it that just call it like <laughs> Brian Burke, like, just like, he's hilarious, man. Like, his takes Brian are outrageous. Burke's five minutes at intermission. Yeah, his takes are outrageous, and just the fact that, like, his facial expressions and the way he talks are so funny. Oh man, that guy gets me going every time. All right, we got one more piece of hockey information, and then we're gonna do some CNG hockey guy. This one's real quick. I don't even know if um, it's new
0: information. This is not
1: new information. Connor McDavid is ridiculously good at hockey. Um, he has 17 points in 10 games which is on pace for 95 points in 56 games which is if he breaks 100 points in a 56 game season that's just that's not even that's not fun that's not fun for anyone who has to play against him it's fun for him fun for all fans. Fans, teams to play it's not fun for everybody else but yeah know no, he's uh... he is very When he's not playing the Leafs, I love watching him play. When he's playing the Leafs, I'm just, I just am like, I hate, yeah, I hate you,
0: you suck. I was a, that game last night after overtime ended, I was immediately just like, get this game off of my television. I was so mad once they scored in overtime, like it was just, it was so quick. It wasn't a fun overtime at all. Mm -hmm. The Oilers ended it early, and all because, all because uh, McDavid and Drysaddle are the two best hockey players. Well, that's what I said. I was like, oh, Um, good, it's
1: OT. The Leafs are the Leafs are good in OT, and then I said, "Oh, except we're playing the Oilers, who are better in OT." <laughs> like they just yeah. So
0: like if you can if you can get past the first shift with the Oilers, like that first minute and a half, if you can have them not score a goal, and then you get that second unit note, you got a much better shot at winning the game.
1: Mhm, mhm. And the moment though, either McDavid or Drysaddle gets more than a single point, you're losing. You're losing every time. So. It is what it yeah. is. So yeah, we good. want to make sure Art, you know it's right. the a right. podcast. That we give shout out good. to uh,
0: Connor.
1: Connor is good. Dry settle is also very good. I yeah, actually really like watching Dry settle. Yeah, Connor. I always love watching him in one Yeah, he's wheels uh, around with the backhands, and he just like sauces backhand pucks across the ice. And I'm just like, oh, that's so good. it's so
0: disgusting. You know what? Uh, you know what's just as good as uh, Connor McDavid?
1: CNG Rebels.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: All right. Well, the CNG Rebels Hockey Club is based. Good thing you did
0: that because I, Prairie, good thing you said CNG Rebels because I honestly thought we were doing a beer ad read. So, oh, well, you're right not, though.
1: But that's okay. They are, they are just as good as Leon Drysettle, CNG Rebels. They're based out of Grand Prairie and they are a member of the Hockey Super League. They provide a high quality environment for youth hockey players with an emphasis on development character integrity and respect. And here's the thing. I'm going to give you a little hot take here about the CNG Rebels in the Hockey Super League. We all watch Connor McDavid, we all see him in his post-game interviews. Well, you want your kid to be the next Connor McDavid? Stick him in the Hockey Super League with the uh, CNG Rebels. You know what you're not going to get? You're not going to get boring, no emotion Connor McDavid in an interview because they are going to Develop your kid into a enthusiastic, well-rounded, happy child who loves the game of hockey and always speaks emotionally about it every single time he's interviewed. And he'll be just as good. So you're not you're getting the next McDavid, and you're not getting the boring not being able to answer. So that you know that's my plug for the Super League. I've seen it happen. They're pumping out. I was gonna say pumping out content, but they're pumping out. Phenomenal hockey players, left, right, and center. So that's what you're getting with the CNG Rebels.
0: Yeah, shout out CNG. Shout out the Rebels. Hopefully, they can get back on the ice soon. Get playing some games. Um, might not happen until next season, but I guarantee you, we'll still be rooting for those boys mm-hmm. um, with the Rebels. All right, Landon. So this is gonna. This question for the Rebel hockey guy here today is gonna. I'm gonna take you back a little bit to when you used to be um, a phenomenal hockey player. You were. You were on the cusp of greatness, um, you know, before your very true. You know, career-ending injury. We'll call it. I don't know. Um, so what? Uh, so everyone has a little bit of superstitions um, when it comes to game day and what the routine is on a game day. What do you think is an ideal game day uh, routine from you? You know, from when you wake up to when you go to bed. How how does that game day? How did that game day go for you when you were on the cusp of greatness? Huh?
1: That's a very good question, Dalen. Thank you. Um, I didn't go to Nate for nothing. I was not the most superstitious guy. However, I did have a couple things that I liked to do. And if I didn't do them, I wasn't the guy who was like, "Ah, you know, not going to have a good game. However, getting that pregame napping, always great. Gets you fresh, ready for the game. Plus, who doesn't love a good nap? And it's a good excuse to have a nap. You don't have to say to anyone. People aren't going to look at you like, oh, he's so lazy having a nap again. No, he's got a hockey game to play. Second of all, that you got to get the breakfast. You, you, Here's here's, here's what I did, and perhaps maybe this is why I had a career-ending injury. <clears throat> we'll call it that. I would go get uh, breakfast at a and I would get um, the two eggs, bacon, toast and uh donkey over easy, dip my toast in it, and it would be delicious, head home for that nap. And then, uh, you know, I wouldn't do too much the rest of the day, but I'd always get to the rink early. You know, and I I never know why I got to the rink so early because I did not use the bike. I did not stretch. I did not stick handle or anything like that. I just like to be at the rink. I would chat with the guys, get ready. I mean, I knew I was only getting four or five shifts that night. What's the point about of absolutely getting primed up for a game? Like, I'm given 100% work ethic. That was – so, I mean, that was pretty much my game day. Get ready. Get that nap in. Get your a and breakfast. Come to the rink early. Enjoy the moment. Get out there. Work hard on your five shifts. And after the game, head over to McDonald's, get yourself an ice cream, and go home.
0: <laughs> i never thought when i asked that question your game day ritual would include stops at a&w and mcdonald's <laughs> real glue guy in the locker room though is what i got from all of that though so that's <laughs> big locker room
1: presence big locker room presence
0: that's one of those good.
1: guys that makes like two mil a year but only gets like 15 points because but you have them there because like the team would not be a team if he wasn't there
0: Exactly. You're the Kyle Clifford of the, of the league. Oh, yeah, you know? there
1: you go. That's a good one. I'm the Kyle Clifford.
0: Um, so, yeah, moving on. Before we get into – we'll mention we have an interview today with um, guy from Flames Nation. He covers the Calgary Flames, Ryan Pike. Um, it was a really Big good Mark talk. He's a dude. Big Mark Giordano guy. Big Mark Giordano guy. He was a great talk to. He, he, he definitely was. knows stuff, especially when it comes to the, to the Calgary Flames. So, I think you guys will enjoy that. But before we do that, we do have one little piece of NFL news. Just one little piece. Little, um, very little. News. Um, the Detroit Lions has sent Matthew Stafford, quarterback Matthew Stafford, to the team I never thought was coming, the Los Angeles Rams. And they traded the Los Angeles Rams trade back to Detroit: Jared Goff, a first, a couple first-rounders, a second-round pick. Um, what seems like a lot um but yeah so Jared Goff is now the quarterback of the Detroit Lions Matthew Stafford of the LA Rams it sounds weird saying that still to this day I mean I don't know why I said to this day it's literally been one day since this happened Mm -hmm. um it's uh I'm excited for Matthew Stafford he's a guy he's a likable guy I think he really he took his beatings in Detroit playing for a real bad squad for a number of years um and now he's going to go to a team that um, offensively, you got your weapons in, um, Cooper cup and Robert Woods. And then even, even, uh, Tyler Higby had a good year and Gerald Everett, as tight ends. Like there's just better options there for him. Obviously not a TJ Hawkinson, like you had in Detroit. Um, but then you also like, you know, Matt Stafford can finally rely on his defense. Um, he doesn't have to go out there and completely win the games for the LA Rams. He can always rely on Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey making those stops, um, on the defensive end. Um, so I think Matthew Stafford, he just kind of has to continue playing good and just throw the hell out of the ball. And I think that could be a really good fit, um, especially with Sean McVay as coach. Um, I, hope, I think those two have a bit of a relationship. So hopefully they work well together. Um, Jared Goff now in Detroit. Uh, it's too bad for Jared Goff. Honestly, I really, I kind of like Jared Goff. Um, he battled, uh, you know, the last couple of games of the season with a broken thumb and he still went out and, and fought for the, for the Rams. But Obviously, things, I guess, just ended up not working out in, in L.A. for Goff, and he'll go to Detroit, and, I mean, hopefully Detroit can figure it out soon. I would hate to see them have back-to-back young uh, star-type quarterbacks be an absolute waste for them.
1: The, uh, the interesting thing is poor Jared Goff. Like, he, he, no one's going to talk about him anymore because when you go to Detroit, you get lost. Look at Blake Griffin. When was the last time someone
0: ever talked about Blake Griffin? Like three years ago. I saw a thing,
1: too. He he played for the Clippers.
0: Blake Griffin doesn't even have a dunk. Blake Griffin doesn't even have a dunk this season. That guy used to be known for his damn dunks. They don't even have him dunking in Detroit anymore.
1: Yeah, you you literally just get lost when you go to Detroit. eh, The Red Wings were really good for a while, but they're lost, too, now. So, I'm sorry, Jared Goff. You were the only loser of that trade. The Lions got two Two first-round picks, my, mind you, they're not great first-round picks, and a third-round pick. Those are all really good features. And you give up a 32-year-old quarterback who is, in my opinion, the top-10 quarterback in the NFL on a bad team. But he wasn't doing it for you. So who cares? You get in a good haul. He sent him off to the Rams, who he could be good for. So the Lions are winners. The Rams are winners because they get a guy who's going to be freaking consistent. Cause Jared Goff was weird as hell. He'd have like a, a, a lights out game, like when they played the the uh, the Chiefs in like 2018 or whatever, and it was like 60 to 55, and him and Mahomes are going tit for tat. But then you get Goff this year who can't or throws four interceptions one game and then goes for 350 yards the next. So it, very confusing, man. They got a, a stable quarterback now in Stafford. And he's 32, which I didn't know he was that old. I thought he was more like 20. Well, yeah, I would have said 28. Um, He's quite robust. That guy can take a beating and still play. So I think he'll be okay in L.A. for however long his contract runs. And I got one more thing before I'll send it back over to you. Interesting little stat for you. The L.A. Rams. The last time they picked in the first round was in 2016 when they took quarterback Jared Goff. They now won't pick in the first round in two th- until 2024 if they don't trade that pick. So very interesting stat.
0: Yeah, it's crazy that they haven't had a first round pick since they took Jared Goff, and they won't have one still for you know, another three, four years. I don't know how accurate this little piece of information was, but I saw it last night online. And so I, I guess there's rumors that, uh mcveigh and goff didn't necessarily get along all that well and this is a thing that i saw online and you know, take it with a grain of salt i don't know it's just something that i ran across and apparently there was a uh, some jared goff leaked text messages in a group chat with his teammates um where he where he quote unquote said i would pipe sean's girlfriend um, so I don't know, you know, if that probably got back to, to coach McVay, but, um, that is probably not the best way to handle your business as a quarterback is to try to uh, hit on your coach's wife. Or I'm, pretty,
1: I'm pretty sure Libby, that was a fake. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, who it's cares? It's sarcastic NFL right in the corner of that post.
0: <laughs> no, I, I'm on a different one. Oh, no. You're right. I see it top right corner. Who cares? Maybe <laughs> that's just way, their account name. It's hilarious. <laughs> Could you imagine, though, if that's what he said, though, in a group chat? I like, yeah, I, I mean, that was awesome. I loved that. Um, but yeah, no, I know. I know. I'd have got much more on that situation. Shout out to Ryan McCauley, Ben Moffitt, and Ryan Hartman. Yeah, they got the, All the LA Rams boys. Yeah. Um, but I guess with that being said, we should transition over to Piker from Flames Nation.
1: Yeah, you want to talk about your favorite beer first? Or should I talk about your, my, my favorite I would, uh, beer? You want to talk about yours? I can talk about mine. No, I'd love,
0: to talk, I'd love to talk about my favorite beer. Um, And you guys know it. When we're talking about my favorite beer, we're always going to a GP Brewing Co. So open your mouth to better beer. That is just what you will find in the TK IPA, which stands for, as you know, Indian Pale Ale. It's a great beer that you can drink for, for a lot less than the competition so when you and your friends are looking to crack a cold one after hockey or on the course or around the house or watching a hockey game or what have you the tk ipa is the way to go support local and enjoy quality product for far less i've never been a huge fan of ipas i'm not going to lie to you guys um that would be false advertising but what i can say about this tk ipa is it it, is, it has inspired me to, to maybe try some more IPAs because uh, this one, it's a, it's a Pacific Northwest hop that gives a nice, strong orange and grapefruit type flavor. Um, it's, a, it's also got the New Zealand hops in there too, which adds that tropical and passion fruit notes to it. You guys know how well I am with my beers and the descriptions. Um, so please take a look at that TK IPA from GP Brewing Co. If you're not an IPA fan, I don't blame you, but this is the one that may change your mind. So give it a, give it a shot. Go buy yourself a six-pack from your local liquor store. If they don't have it, ask for it. They'll bring her in. I promise you. So go check out GP Co. Go check out the TK IPA and enjoy a nice quality cold one. And we're going to send
1: over.
0: Our interview with our boy, Ryan Pike. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the A-List podcast. Today we have a very special guest. He covers the Calgary Flames and the WHL Calgary Hitmen. He is also doing writing for Flames Nation, a part of Oilers Nation and the Nation Network. He is also um, a Pro Hockey Writers Association member, so I'm going to have to ask you about that a little bit later. I've always wanted to know what goes into that. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, welcome Ryan Pike onto the podcast. How's it going today, Ryan?
2: It's good, guys. How are you guys? Good, Great. no, it's
0: awesome. It's uh, we're, we're we're getting through the cold weather by
2: enjoying a lot of hockey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what was it? We're, I think we're recording this on Friday, so Thursday we had fourteen, no, thirteen games. It was supposed to be fourteen, but one of them got postponed. That's just that's an insane amount of hockey, and it all started between like five PM and eight PM. Like all the hockey was sort of crammed in the back yeah. end of the day. It was it was like a buffet.
1: It's so exciting for your fantasy league team for that three hour slot and then it's extremely not exciting
2: the next day when you only have one game yeah and, and the absolute worst thing is everyone does warm-ups at the same time so you get the, the the last minute lineup tweaks and it's all at once so you have to just be refreshing and scrambling and hoping that someone in the arena tweets it out quick enough so you can make the last minute changes exactly. it's, it's very stressful I miss yeah, that
0: it's one. not as it's not as uh, easy as I find football, where it's just once a week you got to pay attention, you got lots of time to make the updates. Um, okay. okay, Ryan, though, are you are how are you enjoying this season so far? It's obviously been uh, quite a whirlwind. It feels like we're already in mid-season. The amount of action that's already happened so far, and everyone diving into everything. So, um, how do you feel about just the start of the NHL season and the start of the Flame season?
2: Uh, the the NHL season, honestly, I, it's gone smoother than I expected. You know, given the 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 conditions uh, health wise in uh, in the U.S. and Canada, I mean, you know, there's it's uh, as vaccines get rolled out, I think we'll all be a little bit nervous about about everything. But you know, getting going before the vaccines had really been widely distributed was sort of. I was nervous about it, but it's going so far so good, like more smoothly than we saw with baseball. And I think the fact that, you know, we had Major League Baseball do a traveling model like the NHL is doing and have their, some successes and a lot of early headaches have really been instructive for the NHL and the players in terms of how they have to do it. Uh, and for the Flames, I mean, you know, so far so good. I think they've, you know, lost three of six or actually four of six, uh, three in regulation. Uh, but you know, they, they've had some good periods, some bad periods. Uh, they've been victims of some bad puck luck and in some ways beneficiaries and some very good goaltending at times. So uh, I think we're still waiting for the, the real flames quote unquote to show up because so far it's sort of been, you know, a little bit inconsistent. So we'll, we'll see how they go. Uh, they're, they're, I think one game into a five game road trip where they play Montreal twice and uh, Winnipeg three times, and then they come back here for Edmonton. So it's, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot of hockey. I think uh, someone the other day mentioned on a, on, a in, on an interview that I think the Flames are playing 20 games in 37 days. So they're, it's going to go fast and furious.
1: Which you said inconsistent. It, it seems almost the schedule was inconsistent for the Flames too at the start. They get their three games, they're feeling it, and all of a sudden we got a six-day break. And now they're trying to catch their legs again.
2: Yeah, and I think you know for for them. I mean, I kind of expected them to be a bit rusty coming out of training camp because they only had like a ten day camp, seven days on ice, uh, two scrimmages. They have you know a quarter is new or fairly new. Uh, you know, three guys in the did not play NHL hockey last year. Um, you know, they have. You know, a third of their roster rosters new. They have a, a new starting goaltender. They have a new goalie coach. They their head coach hasn't been a head coach before up until this year. You know, so it's it's a lot of new. And I think the Flames initially saw that five day break as great. Uh, you know, they'll have a chance to really sort of get guys gelling. And you know, looking at how they performed coming out of the break, I wouldn't really say it's a break issue because if if they come out that first game they played against Toronto here. I thought they were excellent. They were, you know, they were right there with Toronto uh, Toronto had just gotten Austin, Austin, Matthews back from an injury and they were right there with him for the whole game. And it was basically just, you know, a couple bad reads and a couple of bad bounces that came back to, to kill them in that game. Like they ended up losing three, two on uh, I think the third goal was sort of a bloop goal. They allowed uh, off somebody's foot. Uh, you know, some, I think it was Rasmus Anderson guarding uh, oh, was, yes. Austin Matthews, and it was just a puck flung to the slot that you know Anderson was on him, and it went off of Matthews' skate, off of Anderson's skate, and past Jacob Markstrom. Can't really blame your goalie on that. You can't really bl- even blame your 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 player on that. You know, you you check your man and. End up going up a skate, though. Nine times out of ten, it doesn't happen that way. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's sort um, been that's been the the way the flame season has gone. The problem is, you know, they've they've been right there with teams, but they haven't really had enough in the tank to really you know turn the corner and kick it into the next gear so far.
0: Um, obviously, we're you know we're going to talk a lot about the flames throughout this podcast, but I do want to just kind of go back a little bit into your career. I guess. Um, so you're covering the flames. You covered the Hitmen right now. Um, how did that all like kind of decide Like when, when you were younger that you wanted to um, be interactive into the sports media world? Um, and then eventually, I mean, you're obviously with the PHWA, so it's obviously you've gotten to a point where you've garnered some success. So I don't know, where. how did that all start for you at a young age and to get to where you are now?
2: Well, I've, I've always, I grew up in, in Calgary, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Calgary in the 80s. So it was pretty easy to become a, a fan of the sport because, you know, my, my dad was a flame season ticket holder. Uh, coming back from 1980 he was you know he moved here in 78 and him and his buddies got tickets to I think the Cowboys and the Wranglers initially I think he would have been the Cowboys would have folded before he got here so he was a a Wranglers uh, guy because he he played hockey in university so he got he was original uh, Wranglers ticket holder and then when when the Flames came in in 80 if you were a Wranglers uh, season ticket guy, they offered you, you know, like, hey, do you want to, you know, NHL teams coming in? So he he jumped on that right away. So, you know, he has uh, season tickets at the Corral when they moved to the saddle He had season tickets. So. You know, I, I was uh, going to games with him when I was like five or six years old. So it was, per- you know, watching, you know, the old smite division with Gretzky and Curry and Solani and, you know, all these great teams with their cool jerseys and line brawls every game and like 10 goals. And it was, it was exciting hockey. And it was, it was if you're going to fall in love with the sport, you're going to fall in love watching Gretzky and Lemieux and Curry and, you know, later on in the nineties, like Korea and all those guys. So, you know, I was kind of hooked from a, from a, a young age. And uh, being in this market is fun because you got to see so many great players uh, throughout the late 80s, early 90s. So uh, I went to university here and I was, uh, you know, uh, basically I wrote for the, the University of Calgary's paper for years. And when I was finishing up at, at university, I was sort of like going like, oh, I, you know, I like writing. I like sports. So I want to keep doing this. So, you know, I ended up sort of uh, getting connected with the folks that ran uh, the Flames old uh, program magazine, uh, Blaze. And uh, through some mutual friends, ended up doing a bit of freelancing for them, covering, uh, covering Flames prospects for a couple of years. And then that turned into, you know, uh, I wrote for uh, at the, the hockeywriters.com for a while. Uh, and I got, uh, I think it was uh, 2012. Yeah, it was, uh, spring of 2012, where Kent Wilson uh, recruited me in for Flames Nation. Uh, and then immediately after I started, we had a lockout, so I'm sorry about that, Kent. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just sort of got you know hooked into that. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know to be blunt, it's something I'd be doing anyway because I'm a huge hockey fan. I you know I you know I'd be watching the games anyway and sort of you know analyzing it and sort of asking the hows and whys of of sports has always been kind of interesting to me, especially you know being being someone who started as a fan and sort of get it got increased access to players and coaches and gms and scouts and all that it's kind of cool just sort of acting as uh for lack of a better term the conduit to, uh, for fans to be like you know what are the fans curious about like i think a lot of it recently in the last few years has been about the salary cap and how that's and sort of impact how teams operate but even something as simple as you know what which change lines or not change lines. You know, when do you change your goalie or when do you, you know, bring a player in and out of the lineup or why is the, you know, Michael Froelich was a fantastic resource for sort of understanding special teams because, you know, a lot of it was sort of me going, I, I've never played professional hockey. I've never killed penalties. I've never had to, you know, hope that Shea Weber slap shot hits me in the feet and not the face. So, you know, when you're running a penalty kill, how do you operate? Like how much pressure do you put on a guy? Because, you know, if you pressure a guy at the point fast enough, you can cause a turnover. But if you do it in the wrong way, all of a sudden the guy isn't behind you and it's a five on three behind you. So little things like that. So uh, that's always been sort of one of the things I've really, uh, really been curious about. So yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, in a lot of ways, it's still pretty surreal. uh, The the idea that, you know, I get paid to do something I'd be, I do i'd be doing anyway you know as someone who just you know really loves sports and really loves hockey so uh that's that's been the fun part uh and what have been would have been i think 2018 i think i joined the phwa uh it's not really the uh it's not really an interesting story i got an email from uh from our chapter chair uh, at the time asking like hey Hey, uh, you know, we were talking about, Hey, you want to, you want to be, you want to join up as a member this year? Go, okay. What do I do? And yeah, you, you pay some dues and you go to some meetings and uh, you know, you sort of, it's basically just the idea of uh, folks who, who've managed to, uh, to gain access for journalists, sort of maintaining the access for journalists and you know, to, it's a lot of it is sort of administrative stuff to sort of making sure that, you know, the, the teams are adhering to the rules they're supposed to adhere to in terms of you know, player availability and coach availability and stuff. So that, that kind of stuff is a little bit less sexy, but you know, a lot of stuff behind the scenes is kind of interesting just in terms of how things get set up and why the rules are set the way they are, that kind of stuff. So. So, so at the end of the year, do you
0: get yourself, you know, a, a heart trophy vote? Do you get yourself a Vezina vote?
2: There are, uh, well, the Vezina is voted on by the GMs. So uh, because I'm a, I'm a more junior member, I typically don't vote for most of the league awards. There are, I think over 300 members uh, uh in the league and i think about 150 of us vote uh and then i think the the last year the 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 main voting for the awards was i think 150 phwa members and then i think like 20 or 30 broadcasters we bring in mm. to sort of round it out so it would sort of make it a bit more of a, a representative group uh and you know it's sort of uh Yeah. So it's, so it tends to be the more senior, this more senior members, uh, different, every chapter handles it differently, but sort of there's a centralized list they keep and it tends to be sort of the more senior members. Uh, every chapter votes for the, uh, for a Masterton award nominee for a a perseverance and dedication. Mm -hmm. So for those, every, every chapter nominates a person and then every member, like all 300 and are eligible to vote for the Masterton. So, Mm uh, you know, when we gave it to Bobby Ryan last year, it was, you know, pretty much everybody in the PFWA voting or everyone who wanted to. Mm-hmm. So things like that. But no, it's, uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Like the, the first time you get, uh, you get uh, things saying, okay, we're, you know, it's time to choose your, your master's nominee. It's kind of cool. Cause you're like, oh man, this is, you know, this will be on the NHL award show. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's still very surreal. I find it very bizarre that I, I've managed to, to weave someone way into this kind of stuff.
0: And one day you might get that hard
2: vote. You never
0: know. At least, you and, know, as a Calgary Flames fan, you didn't have to worry uh, about having to vote. You know, Dry Saddle as MVP last year, yeah. or McDavid in previous years.
2: Yeah, well, and that's you know, honestly, the I feel kind of spoiled. Like you get, you get getting to watch, you know, McDavid and uh, Dry Saddle as often to do, especially this year. It'll be like, and then we get ten games with them this year. That's, gonna, that's gonna be going to super go surreal because like. Like I don't know, it's an un. I don't. I don't think it's an unpopular thing to say. Holy crap, Connor McDavid's amazing at hockey. Uh, but you know, last couple of years, I think Drysyle has been a more complete player. I think mm-hmm. you know, when Drysyle, I was, I was, you know, because you don't, you don't know if you're going to be tabbed to vote until later in the year. So during the year, you want to be prepared for potentially voting. So I was sort of tracking. A bunch of stuff throughout the year, and I was thinking to myself, "I'm like, man, I would probably be voting McDryside over McDavid." I think, I think early on, I had sidle one, and if I had to vote, I think McDavid would have been my five. Maybe I don't think he, he was right on the cusp for me, because I don't know how how valuable can you be if your team has two MVPs? Well. Drysdale was so good in every situation. McDavid was really good, but he didn't. He didn't really have as much consistency as as Drysaddle did.
1: I'm of the same opinion. So you're not alone with that opinion.
2: He's. I think it's. I think it's unfair that they're so. They're both so good because, I mean, granted, it gives them. It makes it their the salary cap situation a lot tougher because how the hell do you build a team around two guys making that kind of money on the other hand they're so good that if you just find like decent replacement level players to sort of fill out the rest of your roster you should always be competitive
0: yeah but they don't so that's (laughs) that's unfortunate so Uh, obviously talk about having mcdavid and dry in your division and it's impossible to necessarily stop them but you got to do your best to slow them down and the Flames, i think you know they did their best to address that on defense in terms of adding brandon tanev um, or Chris Tanev, sorry, onto onto the roster. Um, how do you think the defense has kind of uh, rounded itself out over these last even couple years?
2: I'm a big I'm a big Mark Giordano guy. I mean, I've 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 watched his entire NHL career, which seems very strange to say considering he's played 900 games. Uh, but yeah, he's. I think he, he's he been fun to watch the last few years. I think A just finally started to hitch up with him the last couple of years and that he's still got the instincts, but I think the, the challenges, I think we've seen it the last couple of years where there was uh, I believe he got suspended for a game, I want to say two, two and a half years ago for clipping Miko Koivu. He was trying to slide over to the boards and seal him out on the wall, and his foot speed was just slow enough that he only caught him with his lead leg and he didn't close him off entirely. And I think we're seeing more kind of stuff like that where, you know, Mark's instincts are still, you know, absolutely sharp. The guy's like an absolute hockey savant. He, he can think the game at a really high level. It wouldn't shock me if he's a coach at some point. But I think the challenge for him is just the, the fact that, you know, he's 38, 37 years old, 38 years old, 30. He's 30 something. He's in his late thirties. At some point someone will, I'll remember how old he is. What's Cap Friendly say? Cap Friendly has him at 37 years old. So yeah. Archer is 37. He's the eighth oldest player active in the National Hockey League, and just the since the, the last year's playoffs in the return to play and into the season, he doesn't seem amazing. He seems you know he's not a bad player. He's an above average NHL defenseman still at that age, but he's not North caliber anymore. Maybe he'll find it again, but it seems like he's starting to take a step back in terms of how great he was and. I think the challenge of the flames is now, okay, if you don't have Mark Giordano as your all around stabilizing presence in all situations, what do you have on the back end? And I think they're starting to figure that out. Uh, Rasmus Anderson has been a huge, huge part of their team. You know, he was, he was partnering with him about half the time during his Norris season, uh, last year when TJ Brody was out with injury here and there, uh, they had Anderson with him again. And this year, you know, Anderson and Giordano have been the team's top pairing. They've, they haven't done great, but I think that that could be a product of just Giordano sort of falling off a little bit, but it's also, I think, a product of Anderson getting used to playing 20 million minutes a, a night. But the the big surprise of the flames this year, I think has been, you know, uh, Chris Tanaf coming in and he's fit like a glove on that second pairing with, with Noah Hannifin, And you know, he's he's everything I think the Flames hoped they would get with Travis Hamnick, where, you know, Hamnick was, re, you know, he was really good in every situation, but his consistency was kind of all over the place. Uh, with Tanev so far through you know, six games, he's been, you know, very, very reliable. I think as of this recording, that him and, uh, and Hanifin have not allowed an even-strength goal against so far. They're the league leaders in ice time without giving up a goal at five-on-five, five, which is... You know, it's – cu- that and two bucks will get a cup of coffee at Tim Hortons, but it's still – it's it's something you can hang your hat on because, you know, if you're a team that you're trying to – you know, you've got a bunch of new players and you've got a bunch of young players slotting in with these new players and you're trying to figure things out, having a pairing that you can just throw out there, you know, nine times out of ten and get a good shift, that gives you the ability to sort of figure out the rest of the stuff. Uh, the Flames' third pairing, they've thrown out uh, Yusuf Alamaki who – has missed a year and a half of hockey in the last two years due to a couple of significant injuries. He, he had a high ankle sprain a couple of years ago that basically knocked out a, a half this season. And then he blew out his knee in the summer and then he lost all of last season with an injury. So he hasn't played in NHL. He's played maybe three, two or three NHL games in the last two years. He's come in, he's been good. The last couple of games, he's had some, you know, some cringy moments, but he's very, very young and he's still getting started. And I think, you know when Johnny Gaudreau started out, his first few games he had a few cringy moments too, and they they ended up healthy scratching Gaudreau in a game. And uh, I believe I think it was they played in either Columbus or when, it was Columbus. They sat they played in Columbus on a road trip. They sat Gaudreau in the second last game of a road trip in Columbus, just to give him a chance to sort of relax and watch the game and figure out where the the quiet space of the ice were because he was his problem was. He wasn't really reading things properly because he was reading them sort of at a service level and not sort of getting the, the higher perspective on things. And so Gaudreau got sat for a game and he came back in against Winnipeg and had a multi-point game. And since then, Johnny Gaudreau has basically been a point per game player in his entire NHL career. And I, I think probably in the in the near future, Valinaki will get a will get parked for a game simply just to give him a chance to sort of take a breath and process things, just watch a game because he's he's such a smart player that you know, he's going to figure things out, but you know, the NHL is tough and not everyone's great at it right away. And I think you kind of need a chance to sort of just relax and breathe and process things before you can get good at it. So mm-hmm. Valimaki is yeah. decent. Uh, he's been playing with Nikita Nestrov, who has played three years in the KHL and come back in. Uh, Nestro's has good. He's, you know, he, neither of them have, have really given games away. Neither of them have been huge different makers in either way. So you know, for for a third pairing, the, the Flames have usually had a third pairing that's kind of a sinkhole. And having a third pairing that's been able to contribute here and there has been pretty useful for them so far. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, it's
0: kind of comp- go ahead, London.
1: Well, I was just gonna say that I I, mean, I love watching Tanev back there, especially as a defensive defenseman. And I was just gonna say, Calgary wheeling into Vancouver and taking three of those guys off that roster has been arguably the best moves I've seen from Calgary in the last. Five years, perhaps, except maybe that Hamilton trade.
2: Yeah, and you know, it's. I think a lot of things is, you know, I think that the some of the moves the Flames have made last few years have been sort of, you know, you you go out and you get uh, Eric Gustafson. I love Eric Gustafson, but he's he's kind of limited. Like he's kind of one dimensional. Derek Forbort, kind of one dimensional. TJ Brody is a great offensive defenseman but his defensive play is you know it's not bad he's he's a top pairing defenseman but you know you wouldn't he's not exactly a shutdown guy he's sort of a guy you want to use in more offensive scenarios so I think the changes the things have made on the blue line have sort of given a bit more flexibility and allowed them to slot better because you know we, we saw TJ Brody try with different guys in the past and he only really looked good with Giordano and you know, if the idea is you're trying to manage Giordano's minutes, you you know, I think the long-term goal for the Flames is they would like to win a Stanley Cup with Marc on the team and they would like to have Marc play the rest of his career in Calgary. So they're going to, I think, in a lot of ways, let Giordano call his shots because he's been such an important part of the team in so many different ways that I think they have the respect for him, that they want to give him a chance to sort of bow out gracefully and, and things on his own terms. So if you want to do that, the question is, okay – how do you get the? How do you manage his minutes over the next two, three, four years to get the absolute most you can out of him, and to surround him with players that the team can be successful with? And I think one of the things you had to do was sort of figure out, okay, can you figure out ways to bring Giordano from 25 minutes a night to 15 minutes a night over the last, next couple of seasons, while still having everyone around him be effective? Mm-hmm. And you know we saw that a bit, you know, last last season at the trade deadline when they went in and they got. Gustafson and board to sort of take away some special teams minutes. And I think we've seen a lot more like the, the, the pairing of Tanev and Hannifin have played about two, three minutes more a night per game than Giordano and Anderson, partially because Giordano and Anderson play a bit more in special teams than those guys do, but also because you want to manage Giordano's minutes and at the end of the season, not having to trot him out 23, 24, 25 minutes a night is going to be a huge difference on if he has anything left in the tank for the postseason. Mm-hmm. You mentioned how good Hannafin's been for
0: you guys. Um, another player you guys thought was going to be good with, um, was the person you traded Hannafin for in Dougie Hamilton. Um, there was a lot of kind of outside noise about what happened with Dougie Hamilton in Calgary. He's obviously doing okay and pretty well for himself in Carolina. But why do you think that, I mean, it obviously didn't work for Hamilton in Boston, and then he came to Calgary and it seemed it was almost more of the same thing. It didn't work there. Why don't you think it worked out in Calgary?
2: Calgary. I don't know I honestly like I, you could always speculate I don't have any inside information I think the big challenge for him is just like Dougie is just a different kind of cat I mean he's you know a lot of people are wired differently and motivated differently and hockey is one of the the, the hockey culture is sort of all about 23 guys pulling on the rope the same way at the same time in the same direction and you know some guys aren't wired that way I mean there's plenty of really outstanding hockey players who are great people and great players that just, you know, you don't click with people on a personal level and, you know, it's just, it's just a thing that word hockey is. And so, you know, there was always some wisdom. I think John Shannon or someone, I, I apologize to John Shannon, if John Shannon didn't say this, I saw the quote attributed to John Shannon on a podcast. The idea, you know, the, the mentioned quote that, you know, when his teammates would go to Moxie's Dougie Hamilton would want, would want to go to a museum. And yeah, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to go to museums. Uh, Calgary has probably. many fine museums. Carol- the rally area has many fine museums and art galleries. And, you know, the, you know, hockey culture is built that if you don't want to hang out with your, with your buddies all the time and play video games and, you know, party with your, with your teammates all the time, and just bond with your teammates all the time, it won't work. So if you're a little more introverted, if you're a little more cerebral, if you just aren't wired that way, sometimes it puts you the outside, outside looking in. So, you know, when 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 coaches and, and managers talk about fit of players, it's you know it's very ambiguous. But it's ambiguous because it's hard to quantify. I mean, some guys just you know like we've all worked at different work, different offices, different workplaces. When you sit, you know, you sort of meet your coworkers for the first time. You sort of all sit down or you go over to lunch and everyone's like, okay, this guy will fit. And it's not, it's not about work performance. It's not about anything about you as you know a person or your or your value as a person. It's just some people just click with certain groups and some people don't. And Dougie Hamilton, for whatever reason, didn't really click in Boston and didn't really click in Calgary. And I, you know, I think it was a good trade for for both teams because oh, yeah. you know, Dougie's gone to Carolina and it's you know, it's less of a of a crazy hockey market in terms of the media and, and fan pressure than Boston or Calgary. And it's allowed him to just sort of be Dougie Hamilton and do his thing and, you know, play really well. And, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin have come here. And, you know, Elias Lindholm and and Noah Hannafin are, are, you know, both signed for three, four more years for less than five million a, 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 a night or a year. And Elias Lindholm is Calgary's top line center and he's signed for a billion more years and he's making less than five mil. Like he's playing, you know, penalty kill power play top minutes, even strength, less than five mil, yeah. uh, Noah Hannafin. He's playing, you know, he's you know tw- 24 years old. He's playing, you know, basically top pairing minutes in the NHL at even strength playing in every situation, less than five mil. That's, that's tremendous value. So I think, you know, everybody got what they needed at the trade. I think, you know, it, it managed to fit. I'm, I'm sure the flames would have loved to have kept Adam Fox, if Adam Fox wanted to sign here. Uh, but evidently he wanted to go out East and he wanted to play closer to home. And apparently he absolutely wanted to be a New York Ranger and you know, everybody got some value out of that chain of transactions. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh it's one of those things where sometimes everybody gets what they want if they're pretty honest about what they want.
1: Yeah. I absolutely love Elias Lindholm on that line with the truck. I got them both on my fantasy league team. So uh, they've been, they've been doing well for me. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, I mean, not fantasy, but the fact that I have them makes me think of the Flames' power play, and I do want to talk a little bit about that because the Flames' power play has been electric and in the season last year where it may not have clicked as much as people had hoped because there was a little bit of a down year from Johnny. Uh, what do you think so far of that? I think it looks great, but I'd love to get your opinion on that.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think they... I think the, the thing that worked for the Flames is they didn't change too much because everybody on the first power play unit was there last year. And I believe everybody outside of like Josh Levo occasionally gets power play reps, but everybody in the second power play unit was here last year too. So the, the upside for them is they have that familiarity. Uh, you know, they, Jeff Ward, the, the current head coach, uh, was the associate coach in uh, the two years prior and he ran the power play in New Jersey. He ran in Boston and he was recruited and given a raise here to run the power play. And, you know, it took some time to get some chemistry going. And once they got going, when, uh, when he took over as, as uh, interim head coach, they brought on uh, uh, one of their assistant coach, one of their development coaches, Ray Edwards, who came on to run the power play in the forwards. And he worked really closely with uh, with Jeff on sort of making some tweaks, but I think the smart thing was, you know, you got a new coach and you're, head coach is the guy who ran the power play before. So you don't change very much. And I think that's what's really worked because they've had continuity and they've had chemistry and they've just managed to really move the puck well. And, you know, I think as we go forward, if you look at that first power play unit, you know, it's a lot of the guys that you would hope would be on the first power play unit and the guys that you would hope would be making noise in the first power power play unit. And, you know, it gives, you know, it gives guys like, let's be completely honest. uh, It gives you a chance, you know, the the Lindholm-Kachuk line has sort of been used as sort of one of the the two sort of two-way shutdown lines. Granted, they're so good at it, they can generate even-strength offense, but worst-case scenario, if you're in a tough playoff matchup or a tough regular season matchup, and that line sort of saws off at, you know, 50-50 offensively at even strength, you kind of want to give a chance to get Kachuk and Lindholm and uh, Mount Japani some offensive reps and get them a chance in the offensive zone to get some swagger and get some comfort with the puck. So it makes a lot of sense to have those guys on the power play. And I think it's it's done a lot to really give them some chemistry and even strength too, because they get the chance to sort of try some stuff on the power play. They might not try at even strength, mm-hmm. you know, and it gives you a chance to sort of see Kachuk do weird Kachuk things like the in-between-the-leg shot that he does on the power play sometimes. But without giving without him being a power play guy and having a chance to try some of that weird stuff. I don't think he tries it in overtime on Halloween last year against uh, guess, Nashville, and we don't get that crazy highlight reel. So, you know, it's you want to give your key guys a chance to really be difference makers, and I think the power play is given their you know most key players a really good chance to do that.
1: I don't know if you've seen one this, of the key
0: guys up for that. I'm
1: just gonna, I'm just going to make a quick point. I, I don't know if you've seen this, but Brady has been trying to go through the legs in front of the net a lot lately. So I think there's a little bit of. Uh, Brotherly rivalry there. He's jealous that Matthew gets all the through the legs goals.
2: Brady's so good. He's oh, yeah. I he's just Ottawa is going to be very good in a few years if they just sort of keep accumulating guys. I think I think the challenge for Ottawa is the thing that I think was good for Calgary during the rebuild years is Treloving basically went through and the guys he kept. They built a team around Giordano and Backlund in terms of. Being sort of the, the, the veterans, the culture guys, the guys who sort of taught the young players how to be NHL players. They kept Matt Stajan for a long time, you know, and Matty Stajan was expensive for what he was, but part of his gig was he was being paid to not only be a, a good third, fourth line center, to also be the guy that could teach Sam Bennett how to be an NHLer, or the guy who can teach, you know, Sean Monahan how to be an NHLer, and Andrew Mangiapani and all those guys. So you know, it's, I, I think it worked. And I think with Ottawa, I think you have to look at, you know, what worked in Calgary and what worked in some other teams that managed to successfully rebuild and go, OK, who are your pillars going to be? And who's going to teach, you know, math, who's going to teach Brady Kachuk how to go from being good to great? And I, th- I think if they can find the right guys to build around, I think that could be a really, really interesting team for years to come.
1: We will get back to that interview with our Flames analyst, Ryan Pike, in just a moment. But I'm going to talk to you quickly about my favorite rum from my favorite distillery, Latitude 55, located in Grand Prairie, Alberta. Latitude 55 is rooted in a collaborative love for finely crafted spirits and pride in the place we all call home, which is beautiful northwestern Alberta, Grand Prairie area. And we're going to talk a little bit about a nice little scenic place we have up in the area. And they, in fact, named their rum after this place. But they create every spirit with local grains and botanicals and look to the community to find inspiration for unique quality flavors. Every single bottle from Latitude 55 is created with hard work and passion. Have you ever wanted to drink a true spice rum? I know I have. I drink that Captain Morgan stuff. That ain't true. That's not true. That's that's quickly distilled. They bottle that stuff in about 10 minutes. Look, you got to look no further because you'll find Capua rum. Inspired by the Capua Falls south of Grand Prairie, Alberta, it is a product you will crave. This dark brown spirit is molasses-based and is aged in whiskey bourbon, bourbon barrels for over a year. That's how you know it's a true spice rum. They age it for a year. There's no way those guys over at Captain Morgan's are aging their Captain Morgan's for a year. That ain't happening. It's not a true spice rum. The only true spice rum you're getting right now is Cackle rum. The oak smells and the smooth taste make this a perfect cocktail. Everything about this product supports local from the handcrafted product made right here in Alberta to this spectacular logo hand created by local Canadian artist Robbie Craig. Ask your local retailer for Kappa Rum today so you can enjoy it your way. And if they don't have it, like we always say, ask them to bring it in. You will not be disappointed with this Kappa Rum. I'm telling you right now. Take this is my from my mouth to your ears. You will not be disappointed with Kappa Rum. Go get yourself a bottle. Thank you. We will now send it back to our man, Ryan Pike, to talk a little bit more about the Calgary Flame
0: yeah no definitely can be I I love the new uniforms I think that also helps them uh, be a lot better at hockey just wearing those uniforms Um, but the guy that we haven't talked too much about we've mentioned his name a couple times so far but um, Johnny Goudreau he had a bit of I guess what you would call a down year last year Um, I think he was healthy scratched, maybe a couple games and I mean I don't know if it was more just online chatter of people you know wanting to move on from Johnny Goudreau um, but it seems that from the outside looking in that the beginning of this season, he's kind of had a bit of a, you know, much better start um, offensively, at least. What do you think uh, happened with Johnny Goudreau last year? Was it just kind of, a, you know, the pressure of being in a city like Calgary where everyone's talking about you and it kind of just gets in your head or was it just, you know,
2: year and yeah. I I he he's always seemed to be the kind of guy who loves the pressure though I mean you know he played college hockey in Boston College and you know if if you want to go hide under a rock and just play hockey you do not go to Boston College (laughs) Boston College because Jerry York was a coach and Cam Atkinson and had success there and he went and you know they almost won a national championship and he you know he was a really great college player for years. He won the Hobie Baker. He, you know, he went to the world juniors. He was a really great player for one of the, one of the tournaments that they played in. Uh, He, you know, he won a championship, I believe in the world juniors. He comes to Calgary and, you know, a lot of players really like coming, you know, there's a lot of players who have two minds of Canadian markets because with Canadian markets, uh, you know, hockey's everything. So if you're doing well, people love you. If you're not doing well, people, you know, they don't really want to have much to do with you. But if you're someone who loves hockey and loves to play hockey, like, you know, like Johnny Goudreau does, you really like being in a hockey market. So I think you know, this is just me. I'm going to be an armchair psychologist for a second. So here's what I think would happened. So the, the flames perpetually have been sort of like Charlie Brown with a football where, you know, 19, you know the, they had a, a tremendous hockey club throughout the 1980s. Only one in Stanley Cup because you had Edmonton. Okay. And then after they got out of the hump in, you know, the early nineties, the Canadian dollar hammered the flames, you know, the, the dollar tanked, you know, in the, in the late 80s, early nineties. And so they couldn't afford to keep the team together. They had to gradually strip it down when you're trading players away because of economic pressures, you tend not to get good value. So the flames went from being a perpetual contender to being eh, kind of, they were, they're were okay very quickly. They because they didn't get a lot of value for their players, mm-hmm. and then you know throughout if you look at throughout the nineties like you know the Flames draft Trevor Kidd in the first round. Oh no, the other guy they the other goalie drafted in the first round is Marty Brodeur. He comes, turns into a Hockey Hall of Famer, and Trevor Kidd turns out to be a good but not great NHL goaltender. And so whoops, Charlie Brown the football big whiff there. Uh, you know they they go you know they get Jerome McGinla and he's not great right away. And they go in that great Stanley Cup run in 2004, but they lose. And then Daryl Sutter can't quite figure out how to manage the salary cap. He can't quite figure out how to transition to a more speed-based NHL. And the Flames sort of burn off years of Jerome McInnes' prime because they aren't really building their team well. And then they finally, in 2012, 2013, throw in the towel and decide to rebuild. And, okay, they have some good prospects. They have the best player in college hockey – but what if he doesn't sign? Well, everything he said to that point was saying, "Love, you know, Calgary took a chance on me. I think I'll sign. Uh, but I'm going to sign in a year because I want to play a year of college hockey with my brother. Oh, my God. He wants to play a year of college hockey with his brother. That's terrifying. What if he doesn't sign? But, but he keeps saying he's going to sign. There's no reason to believe he won't sign. What if he doesn't sign? Okay, he signed. Well, what if he's not very good? Everything we saw of him makes us think he'll be really good. But he's still small. What if he's not very good? Well, he made the team. Okay, but what if he's what if he's not a good NHLer? Well, he played four or five games and he's pretty he's decent, but he's not amazing. What if he's what if he never gets better? What if he what if he's just a decent player the whole time? Isn't that a disaster? Well, he's a fourth rounder. I mean, if fourth rounder plays NHL minutes at all for you, you're probably happy. And then all of a sudden he he gets healthy, scratched in Columbus, comes back and he's just he everything clicks and he's he's as good as he was in college for years. Oh my God, what if what if he's not going to resign? Well, he wanted to. He, he wanted to play hockey and he wanted to play hockey here. So he re What if he goes free agent after, after he did What Doesn't he want to play in Philadelphia? I do my, my mindset is basically, okay. Like so, some guys could be the best and some guys can be really good. And a certain, at a certain point, the league figures you out and you have to adapt. I mean, Jerome McGinley, the reason why Jerome McGinley was a hall of fame level NHL player was a, he was a physical beast. So you know, if he wanted to go to the front of the net, you ain't stopping him. But he also managed to change some things about his game over the years and sort of adapt and sort of change what he did to sort of de- decide on what parts of his game you want to emphasize. And Johnny Gaudreau, I think, there's a book on him right now. If you're, if you're a defender uh, defending Johnny Gaudreau, you can do video and you kind of go, you kind of know what he's going to do on zone entries and stuff like that. So, okay, good. There's a book on it. So the question is, does Johnny can Johnny Gaudreau sort of change some things about his game and adapt to these guys adapting to him? And so far this season, the answer is yes. We had six games, but he's been much better. And I think last year was just, you know, I think, you know, it was a combination of his puck luck, like his, his personal shooting percentage fell off a cliff. Like he, pucks just didn't go in for him. He wasn't getting far enough in on his scoring chances for whatever reason. Maybe he didn't want to get slashed because he had been slashed for eight years of, or five years of an NHL career, and that sucks. Like he broke his hand one year just getting slashed 21 times against Minnesota. So if that happened to me enough times, I wouldn't want to go to the net either. <laughs> I would not want to go to the net to begin with. Exactly. So with, with Gaudreau, I, I just think it's, you know, it's, he's a guy who is, he's such a dynamic player and he's such a, a an important player that if you are the other team and you're have a coach that's worth a damn and a video coach worth the damn, you're going to try to game plan for him because if you don't, he's going to kill you. Okay. And I think now it's like, okay, he's, knows that guys are game planning for him and I think he's adapting and I think he's adjusting and he's such an, an, he's such a creative player that I think when he's on his game and when he's not frustrated by the other team game planning for him, he can be a difference maker. And in the games that we've seen him so far, he's been excellent. You know, like, he's been one of the flames best players. He he is what he is. Is he gonna be a guy like Kachuk where you put him out against the other team's top line to shut them down? I don't think he has the two way the two way acumen to really do that. And honestly, it'd be a waste of his talents to ask him to do that. So with Goudreau, you put him in offensive situations and you say, go do your thing. And you put him with guys that can help uh, really accentuate some of his talents. And I think the cool thing is with the Flames is when their lineup is working well this year, you have the Lindholm line that can draw offense uh, from. So the other team has to game plan for them. You have Backlund's line with uh, Montiapati and uh Sometimes Levo, sometimes they rotate the winger. But if you have two or three other lines going, it gives Goudreau a little bit more breathing room. And when you give him breathing room, he can be deadly. And I think that's the difference. The last couple of years, like the Flames' depth, especially last year, wasn't really cooking. So if you want to beat the Flames, just put a good defensive pairing or your best two way center on, on Goudreau, and you probably have a good chance. This year, you know there's they have a little bit more going on so it's a little bit tougher so Mm -hmm. long term i you know i've no crystal ball guy i don't know if dro comes back after a couple years i think i'm over the mindset of he's he was a fourth round pick he was a he was a a dice roll so if you can get something for him before his contract's up that's great because you know he's an important part of your team and you could probably get value for him but I also don't think that they're in a situation where they absolutely need to brush him out of town because, you know, look at what the Flames did with TJ Brody. They they, they walked TJ Brody to free agency. Brody was another f- third, fourth round player. And they, you know, they got value from TJ Brody just being on the team. So if you happen to walk a draw to free agency and you say, you know, thanks for thanks for your time. Here's a, a here's a you know, a hoodie and a, and a you know, frame jersey and a handshake. Good luck. I think that'd be fine. But. I also don't think necessarily that he's going to Philadelphia when he comes to free agent, because how many players in the league actually play in your hometown? Uh, you know, when I talked to a lot of players who are from Calgary or from Toronto or from Montreal, who's played in their hometown in the Canadian market or an American market. And if you're in your hometown You have family constantly after you about this, that, the other thing. You have family, friends, you have acquaintances, you have people you went to high school with. You have your roommates, roommates, friends, cousins, brother, like people come out of the woodwork to ask for your time and it can be a distraction. Not all the time because there's some players like some players play in their hometown and they are surrounded by the right people and everyone's very respectful and they know how to say no. And they surround themselves with people who can sort of filter out the the time commitments. But if you're someone and you're playing in your hometown, it can be exhausting. And I've seen players who are from Calgary play in Calgary and it just doesn't work because there's just so much noise around them that it can they can't really do what they need to do on the ice. Mm-hmm. And for Goudreau, maybe that factors in. But you know, he's that's like right.
0: Ever since John Tavares signed in Toronto, I think the media likes to use the narrative that, oh, this guy wants to come home is almost like another
2: way to keep the rumor mill going. If if you had the choice between winning a Stanley Cup or playing at home, if you if you are a little kid who grew up playing I think it depends on what's in your heart. I mean, if you look at, we we hear the same stuff with Stephen Stamkos as we have with John Tavares. And, you know, I'll give Stamkos credit. Stamkos sat down, looked at the data, talked to his family, and then just listened to his heart. And that's a very, uh, very mushy topic to get into in a hockey podcast. But, uh, you know, Stamkos would have gotten paid no matter where he went, but he decided that he believed in, in what they were doing in Tampa, and now here we are a few years later, and he has a, he's got a ring and his name on a trophy, and if you're a guy, like Tavares grew up, you know, we saw all the stuff with him with the, the Maple Leafs jammies and the Maple leaf sheets, and if that is what you grew up dreaming of, if you just wanted to be a captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, then going to Toronto and being a Maple Leaf is for you. And winning he a cup is, is a business. bonus on top. Yeah, and but if you're in, if you're Stamkos and you're like I just want to win, then you stay in Tampa where hockey might not be as important, but you might have a better chance of, okay. of uh, having a parade. So, you know, I I don't have much of a personal relationship with Johnny Gaudreau, uh, so I couldn't tell you what's in his heart. All I know is since he came to Calgary, since he got drafted by them in 2011, he's been very vocal about his affection for the franchise because you know there were there were 30 teams that could have taken Johnny Gaudreau. Twenty-nine of them did. 20, you know, he was a fourth-round pick, which means depending on trades and whatever, every NHL team had two or three chances to to, to pick Johnny Gaudreau and invest in Johnny Gaudreau. Twenty-nine teams didn't do that. So, I think for him that means a lot because the, the the Calgary Flames gave him a chance to fulfill his lifelong dream, one of his lifelong dreams, of playing in the National Hockey League. And he, you know, the Flames made him an NHL player. He made him. A great NHL player. So I think it'll just be a determination for him in a couple of years of, you know, what what does he want? What 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 is what can he do? And what kind of cap situation are the flames in? Because that same summer, I mean summer of 2021, the Flames have Majapani up, the Flames have Goudreau up, the Flames have Kachuk up, uh, the, you know, the Flames have Giordano up. So they're going to have to make some decisions. Uh and somebody might not, someone will have to take a discount or someone's going to have to play somewhere else.
0: Is uh when I look at a guy like Sean Monahan, is he is he like the captain in waiting type of deal um in Calgary, or do you think there's another guy you think that would be in line for that position?
2: It'll be Kachuk. It'll be okay. Kachuk. Um, Kachuk is basically what what uh, Jerome McGinlay was in Jerome McGinlay's mid 20s, where I think McGinlay didn't become captain in Calgary until he was about 27, 28. Uh, Craig Conroy stepped down as captain. And they gave it to Giordano, in, or, or they gave it to Aguinla in 20, 20, 2003, and they won a Stanley Cup, or they came within a goal of winning the Stanley Cup. So that was a pretty good bet for them. And so, you know, the Flames are very, the Flames franchise is very respectful of, of Giordano. And I think, you know, much like I said earlier, Giordano is going to be the captain for as long as Giordano wants to be the captain. But as soon as Giordano decides he doesn't want to be captain anymore, they'll be putting a C on Matthew Kuchuk's chest.
0: And do you think that's, uh, I mean, obviously, because we haven't really talked, I guess, much about Kachuk, but he's obviously quite the polarizing figure in the league. Um, You know, we see the incident with Jake Muzzin the other night. Um, We see him just kind of getting in the grills with everyone a little bit. And, I mean, if you ask any, you know, same thing with Brad Marchand. If you ask everybody in the league they hate Brad Marchand, but if he's on your team, you love him. Um, Is Matthew Kachuk... As much as everybody hates him and they probably don't even think he's a leader, what do you think makes Matthew Kachuk like that next captain in waiting for someone who's obviously covers Calgary and um, kind of sees what this guy is?
2: I I just think, you know, if you look at their captain, like I, I just think one of the reasons why I think Jerome McGinn was such a good captain for the Flames was A, he was their best player, and that helps. But B, he was sort of he had the innate ability to sort of put his finger on the pulse of a game emotionally and figure out what buttons need to be pressed. I mean, do you want your best player fighting three, four, five times in a Stanley Cup run? Probably not, because he <laughs> scores goals with his hands. And the idea of Jerome McGinley breaking his hand is terrifying. He did it one year uh, uh, in late in the season, and that ended up starting David Moss's NHL career. But if you're if you're the flames, you also look at your captain. And you go, that's the guy who's going to do what need to be done to, you know, to lead the way and to basically say to the team, here is how invested you need to be, here is how clued in you need to be, and here is how you need to play. And so. For, for Kachuk, I think he nails the emotionality of it, because if you look at the, the most important games that they played, and if you look at how they played in the playoffs uh, last uh, in the summer, you know, he was the emotional leader against Winnipeg. He figured out what buttons to press, how to play, where to play, and when to get physical, when to not engage. And they just like Winnipeg, you know, even before the, the before uh, the, the Jets lost a couple of players in that first game, I didn't think the Jets were all that good because I just thought they were sort of back on their heels a bit because they couldn't figure out Kachuk. And against Dallas, like the, the flames were completely lost against Dallas after Kachuk had that concussion because they didn't really have not only his talent, but his ability to sort of regulate the emotion and level of the game. And so so far this season, the games where Kachuk has been sort of the the emotional focal point. And if you look at the last few seasons, I mean, you know, the the games against Edmonton are probably the best example. He in the last two or three seasons, he has suckered Zach Cassie in, into taking 35 minutes in penalties against him, and they were directly res- related to the go-ahead goals for the Flames and the Flames getting standing points and making the playoffs both those seasons. So. For for Kachuk, I just think he's the he's the emotional heart and soul of the team to the point where I think you he's he basically I don't think at this point he needs the seat, but I think he'll earn the seat by the time he's done. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. You think that's annoying for a guy like Sean Monahan, who I think probably before Kachuk came in, I think people thought he might have been the next kind of leader in waiting. He seems obviously like um, a guy that's pretty respected in the room
2: and yeah, again, I I, I think Monaghan's just very much a go with the flow kind of guy. Like he's he's a vocal guy. He's kind of quiet to the media, but all all indications are he's pretty vocal in the room. And he's sort of a, more of a lead by example kind of guy. Whereas you know Kachuk's more of a raw raw kind of guy. And I think you need kind of, I think you need both depending on the leadership and the composition of your team. But uh, I don't think Monahan will be particularly offended when it happens. I mean, you know, Michael Backlund has been with the Flames, you know, longer than anyone but, but uh, Giordano. And, you know, he shares a, an alternate captain's day with Kachuk. Do you think uh Backlund's very chapped about sharing a letter with somebody? I don't think he really cares because, you know, he's, I think he knows what his role is on the team. Uh, Manny Stage never wore a letter for the Flames outside of you know as an injury replacement guy but you know there's some guys that need letters uh, or need particular letters to be leaders and some guys that don't and I think you need sort of a mixture of both of them
1: mm-hmm. and you also look at like uh, look the Blues for example named O'Reilly uh, captain this year with Tarasenko making the comment of yeah there are other guys here that maybe could have been captain as well but none of us are particularly upset about it O'Reilly's going to be a great captain too So I think that would be pretty much the same scenario in Calgary where, you know, there are three or four guys who could lead, could be the captain, but Kachuk's going to be a great leader too.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of teams now are sort of doing leadership by committee. I mean, if you look at the Flames now, like Chris Tanev could credibly wear an A in Calgary, but he doesn't because he doesn't need to. Um, You know, they have some other guys like Milan Lucic is, you know, a very big part of the Flames locker room. He doesn't wear a letter. He doesn't need to. So I think you need kind of both. And I think, you know, when, the, when you're going and building a team, I think you need kind of need to know a lot of the challenges of building a hockey club now are sort of about knowing people's personalities. And if you look at the way drafting has changed last, even last five years, I think teams are doing a lot more uh, focus on, okay, how is this guy in the room when things are going good? How are this, how is this guy in the room when things are going bad? And what do we need from him to make him a valuable part of the team? So I think they've gotten some good, uh, they've done a good job sort of building up that leadership core. And I think, uh, I think it's, it's paid dividends so far, but it's, it, you know, we'll see how it, they keep developing it. Absolutely. And I
0: got, I got one last question. Um, so obviously we have flames <clears throat> had a bit of a slow start to the season. What do they got to do to turn around? And what do you, what is your expectation for the rest of the season going forward?
2: I'll do the second part first. I think the Flames will be—they're always—I think they're going to be a team that's sort of going to be in the playoff next to the bitter end. It's just sort of how they're wired. They're—I uh, don't think they're a shoo-in playoff team, but I think they end up squeaking into like the third or fourth uh, spot in the division, solely because I think they have too much talent not to. Uh, you know, and their goaltending is good enough that they're going to steal, be able to steal games down the stretch. But I think—I think the big challenge for them is consistency has always been a big thing for them. Where you know they—they've had you know the, the last. Uh, since 2013, I was checking on NHL.com about this because uh, Haley Salvian of The Athletic wrote about uh, the Flames giving up first goals in one of her columns recently. And so I looked up on NHL.com, okay, since since 2013, like when this era of the Flames started, how often do they lead in games? How often do they give up the first goal? And the short answer is they don't need a lot. They're, they're usually chasing. And you know I think they're fourth or fifth in the league in terms of uh, you know getting scored on first or trailing after the first period. So they're, they're just a team that's sort of a bit reactive in terms of how they play. They tend to sort of, you know, build slowly their game. They play sort of decent, but not great first periods and then they sort of snowball from there. Uh, and so I think for the Flames, if they can just be a bit less reactive, sort of, you know, put their, put their stamp on the games a bit more early on in games, I think they will be a lot better. Uh, But, you know, they're they're a team where, you know, they, they have so much talent that it's hard for them to be completely out of games. And it's only when, you know, they play absolute clunkers or have terrible puck luck, like being that game, you know, we're recording this on Friday, the Thursday night game, they played Montreal where, you know, did they play horrible? They weren't horrible, but in the first period they had, you know, they took a couple of silly penalties and had bad puck luck and all of a sudden it's two nothing. And then Montreal decides, okay, we're a good team. We don't need to kill ourselves scoring goals anymore. We're just going to clog up the middle of the ice and just make you run around the outside. And the flames couldn't really make enough adjustments to c- cause Montreal to get out of that comfort zone. So if they can get a bit better at a, not getting down two goals in games and B finding ways to make the other team play their style of game, I think they will be a lot better, but like I said, they're they're talented enough and they're a deep enough team that they're they're going to be in pretty much every game, and they're going to because they're in every game, they're going to be winning enough games to sort of stay in the playoff pack probably to the very end of the season. That's I'm going to let have. you go.
0: I'll let you go here in a second, but since you mentioned the playoff hunt, we asked Zach Lang this last week: Who are your four teams from first to fourth that get into the playoffs this year
2: in Canada that, as of now? Toronto, Montreal. Uh, Edmonton, Calgary.
1: There we go. Wow, I think dude, I like, like that. That's I like I'm 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 liking the Jets. Um, I swap the only thing I agree 100% with you, except swap the Oilers for the Jets.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's a fair like honestly. Toronto, Montreal are shoe ins, and then you have the everyone but Ottawa clump where <laughs> yeah, I just has the horses. I think Ottawa will be sort of a little bit far back from everybody, but I think you're gonna have Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg uh and vancouver all sort of battling until the very end that's gonna that's gonna be we're gonna i think we might get down to like weird tiebreakers or three point games the last two weeks of the season that'll determine who makes the playoffs
0: it's so funny to say that montreal's a shoe-in and before the season it was who knows what we're gonna get with montreal and now they're looking like easily a top five team in the league yeah
2: you you got it you gotta give the burden credit the biggest arms in, in hockey, Mark you gotta <laughs> give credit because like, it's a huge gamble changing up that much of your team one off season. And, you know, Jake Allen has been a good ad on the blue line. You know, the guys I've added have been a really good fit. And there's four now and like they can throw like Paul Byron is a really good NHL player. He'd be a, you know, a top six player in a lot of teams and he's on the fourth line in Montreal because they're that deep. Like that's, yeah that's incredibly impressive so they made a lot of smart gambles and so far it works like you know it's it's a marathon not a sprint but for the first part of this marathon they've done a really good job making their lives easier down the stretch because they've banked points early and point you know points this year points in January are going to be worth as much as points in May yep. and they might be easier to get because teams are still figuring out their games
1: well and the the other thing for montreal is they got Those three young kids have all stepped into their roles very well. Romanov, Kakanyemi, and and Suzuki. So that's a huge bonus for
2: Montreal. Romanov is a beast. Like he's Mm -hmm. one of the. He's going to get Calder votes. Like he's going to get a lot of Calder votes from people in this division who see him a lot because he's just he just thinks the game really well. He doesn't seem like he's he hasn't played before. He just fits. And you know, if if you're a GM and you can find guys like that, whether you know they the rookies or just free agents, if you can find guys that sort of fit with the way you want to play the game, it makes it so much easier. Because now, like if you're in Montreal, you don't have a third pair that's sort of a a, a, a shift that you get to have some breathing room. Because you got Romanov coming at you, so that's that's a, a great ad for them. And I think you know, making those kind of gambles has been you know, if they didn't work out. It's only one year. so Who cares? And if it did work out, Bergman's gonna look like a genius. So I think I think it was a really savvy move by him bringing in all those guys. I
1: got uh, I got one last question for you since we haven't really talked about this guy, and I think he is arguably gonna be Calgary's best player by the end of the year. You snake him from Vancouver. Jacob Markstrom is exciting, electric for Calgary because. You haven't had a goalie in the net like that since Mika Kiprasov. And I really hope there's a kid when they can have fans back in the stands that starts pretending to be Markstrom, like the kid who used to pretend to be Kiprasov.
2: We'll see. We'll see. I I think, you know, it's the, uh, the, the flames have been in on almost every big trade and every big free agent. They haven't gotten a lot of them, but they've been sort of in the mix. And I think, the cool thing for them is, you know, getting the guy they wanted and they needed sort of allows them to spend energy and brain power on other stuff. Because you got Markstrom till twenty twenty six. Is he going to be great for the next six years? I don't think so. I don't think that contract's going to age particularly well in the last two seasons of it. Some because, you know, at some point, father time catches up. But Markstrom is such a savvy player, and he's such a calming influence. That he makes everybody in front of him calmer and better because they don't have to freak out about, well, oh, what if the first shot goes in, like they have with previous goal tenders. So he's, you know, it's it's a lot of money to pay, but so far, I mean, all indications are they're going to get some value for him the, at least the first few years of the deal. And it, I mean, I've heard you heard
0: hear things too about how like Elias Petterson in Vancouver leaned on Markstrom as a vet last year as someone to, you know, kind of be that calming presence. And I think a lot of guys in Vancouver are probably now like really missing that sort of presence in the locker room. And I think maybe that's something Jacob Markstrom is bringing in Calgary. Not that they didn't have that chemistry. Cause I think they did already in Calgary, but I think that he could probably fit right into a group like that.
2: Yeah. And the fact is like the flames, I think right now have like five or six Swedes on their, on their lineup. Uh, I think Nordstrom and uh, Elias uh, Lindholm are from the same town in Sweden as uh as Marcus or Markstrom is. So they all grew up together oh, wow. and the Flames have, you know a bunch of guys in the system who are from Sweden. Like they, they've, you know, they've, when, when, you know they've had a whole crew of Swedes last three, four years and it's, you know, it, it brings, it allows guys to come in and just sort of fit. I mean, if you're, if you're Markstrom, like any other team, you might be a little bit worried about how you're going to fit. You know, am I, am I going to have friends? Have, you know, what, or am I going to stay? Is my, you know, is my, is my family going to be okay in the city? But if you're the Flames, you're like, you know, you sign and then 10 minutes later, you have Lindholm and Backlund calling you, trying to figure out, telling you where to live and what to eat and where to go and those kind of things. And it just, it just calms things down for you. So I think that's a big thing of it. But yeah, it's so far he's fit like a glove. He, he seems like, you know, as weird as it is to see Markstrom in, in, uh, in red and gold, it seems like he's been in a sweater forever because he just seems like he fits so well.
0: And even if the contract does turn out to be bad, I don't think it really matters at the end of the day because you snaked him from the Oilers at the last second. So who cares, right?
2: <laughs> That's, hey, if they, were, if they were happy about getting Christopher Stieg away from the Oilers, um, <laughs> I think they were tickled pink about getting a guy who all respected Christopher Stieg, who, I, who was a tremendous human being. I think, they, I think Markson is a little bit more impactful for them.
1: <laughs> Speaking of the red and gold, what's your opinion on the full retro? or did you like the old flag sweaters i hated the flags that's my own opinion
2: the the full retro is probably the most gorgeous set of jerseys in the league honorable mentions to the leafs and the habs who just have like they, they have classic jerseys home and away uh, but the the flames going full retro i mean it makes sense it's yep. and i think they're probably going to stay full retro at least until they move into the new building
1: i love yeah, it yeah I, I love i love a look definitely and, one of the top looks in the league i agree adding blasty in there is just even better
2: Oh yeah they they they're, they're this way they're not going poor making Blasty.
1: no absolutely exactly. not i went to uh, i went to Banff the other weekend and i i literally saw six reverse retro blasty jerseys on on the outdoor <laughs> rink and i was like wow this is flying off the shelves in Calgary
0: <laughs> perfect all right. All Ryan. Right. Well, we, 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 can't thank you enough for coming on. It was a pleasure chatting with you and it was a pleasure meeting you. Um, hopefully mid season or closer towards the playoffs. We can, we can do this again and see how uh, Calgary has adapted throughout the season, but yeah, no, we can't thank you enough for coming on.
2: Thanks for having me guys. It was, it was fun.
0: Awesome. Thanks Ryan. Cool. Bye guys. All right. That was our interview with Ryan Pike. Thanks again for coming on the geo lover, the Giordano lover. I know a lot of our flame fan listeners will enjoy listening to that one. He does. He knows his stuff. Um, hey, he votes on the Masterson every year. That's uh, that's when you know you're, you're making it. Um, so thanks again, Ryan, for coming on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We always like talking to guys from uh, that with teams we haven't chatted about before as much as we, you know, love talking about Connor McDavid and the Oilers. That's our most accessible interview is guys who cover the Oilers because we're in Edmonton and we know guys who do that. So when we can get guys who cover, you know, the Flames, maybe we can get a guy who covers the Leafs. Who knows? We had a guy who covered the Jets. It's always fun for us. Uh, Piker was, wow, that that guy is very knowledgeable on the Calgary Flames. I guess if you do that for your job, you're going to start being really knowledgeable. But either way, I was just like, dude, how are you pulling this stuff out of the back of your mind with like no notes? It was crazy. But either way, it was good. Hope you guys enjoyed that, and we're gonna transition now into quickly. We're not gonna to go too in depth. A little a list fantasy league update. Um, me and Dale and I believe are both one and one right now. Are you one and one? I'm one and
0: one. Yeah, we're, yeah, I'm one and one now. I got a big win against Ogi Oglethorpe, my dad, last week. Um, that was huge to bring bring me to one and one. I'm taking on Kramer right now and. He's beaten me by about 12 points heading into to the last day. Um, I got some big boys that are playing, though. I got Eichel in, I got Rantanen in, I got Landeskog in, Klingberg. So hopefully uh, hopefully the boys can fire it up good for me because um, I'm going to need all the help I can get. Um, coming back from Kramer. Um, but there's, there's, there's a, a fellow A-lister in Brett Roberts who's actually leading his division right now. He's 2-0, and um, leading the Viagra division. Um so congrats to him. Um question, is Liam Yazinski paying attention?
1: Yes, I actually also thought that about 2 days ago and I went through each of his days of and he has been putting his players in.
0: Okay, cuz I thought I looked at one point and there was a couple guys that were on the bench that and a couple guys that were on the starting lineup that weren't playing and he could have rotated them through. I mean hey if he doesn't wanna if you doesn't wanna to play that would be just good just don't play during my week against you so I can try to get a victory on that one. Um, but yeah looking out throughout the week how are you doing? You got Jerry Hatricks. Woo, Lando, you're having a tough one this week. Tough one this
1: week after a
0: phenomenal
1: week last week. Um, dude, I'm I am struggling with the whole admin dropping guys and making sure you have guys playing all the time because Oh my gosh, there's a lot going on. And then, and then you got to, you got this, you know what I, here's what I'm blaming the schedule this week. I got a, I got a reasonable team. And now we got to sit good players because we had 14 games one day and then one the next. Luckily I look forward and the NHL only has two more days the entire season where there's only one game. So thank goodness for that. Um, well, it is what it is. Um, made some decent pickups, some decent drops. You know, it's hard managing a big team. I'll be honest. And when waivers go through every day and you can make seven moves, like, sheesh, you don't, you, you don't have to ride with your team. You know, you can pick up the guy who's hot. It's kind of, it's kind of different, but I like it. What do we got? Uh, who's leading the Cialis? Yeah, no, it definitely,
0: it, it definitely, it, uh, it definitely helps. Um, I think, Kind of pay attention to what's going on in the league a little bit more, I think. Like, I don't know. It's, I picked up Jordan Kyrie today, and if I didn't pick up Jordan Kyrie in this league, I probably never would have known that guy existed. Um, so, just things like that. It kind of helps you know just guys around the league and, and all that good stuff. Um, no regrets. Yeah, you know, there's is lots, also. Lots of left
1: for things lead. to change around. No regrets. is leading the Seattle division. So, uh, we got two teams here at 2 0, Every, everybody else except. Uh,
0: but it looks like. Uh, so, we got
1: and Sasky Tan-Steve. Those are the only two who haven't picked up a win yet.
0: Well, so Nova Gretzky's with Quentin Schaffner versus the Tyler Pittlickers this week and Brett Roberts. They're both first in the division. They're both undefeated. And it right now it's 74.9 to 67.9 for Brett Roberts' squad. Um, so it's all going to come down to the final day. Um, but we will. After It'll only be three weeks into the year, and we'll only have one undefeated team left.
1: Wow, that is crazy. Man, the Tyler Pittlers, they look good. And has has Brett I'd love for him to be here to talk about his own team, but he's not. Is uh has he even made a single pickup yet?
0: Anything? Um uh, he must have done something. I mean, I know the one day he he was asking me about how many transactions he's allowed to make because he wasn't sure he just not notice everyone is making moves. But even if he hasn't made any moves, like that's almost more impressive because. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's sticking it out with the guys that he's got. Um, a good way to probably check if he's made any moves or not is just go look at the guys that he has. And, oh, look R- at that! Pasternak already has an assist today. I was just um, going to say,
1: Rasmus Ristolainen just scored for the Tyler Pitlickers. His 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 yeah, uh. It's looking, his points I think went up. He, to be
0: okay, his team, yeah.
1: His points went up. Like as I was looking at his team, It was kind of weird but uh mm. I I didn't know that. Yeah, right I mean you got yet. Bergeron,
0: Bergeron's yeah. got 23 and a half points, Matthews has 21 and a half points. Um Brad Marchand 23 and a half, Braden Holpe, 24. He's like he's got he's got, he's got some guys that are he's getting some points for him and now he's got past to coming back. So it's good for Brett. Oh yeah. But cool. should we uh, should we wrap this up and go to our final segment?
1: Yeah, let's hit it up. let's hit it up with some U-Haul, A Lister A Hole. Um Libby, you, you wanna you wanna tell them a little bit about U-Haul? Just try to tell them a little bit about U-Haul.
0: Either way it works.
1: All right, I can tell them about U-Haul. U-Haul. <laughs> you know, do you think that you look at the name U-Haul? What do you you know? Immediately know what they do. You know, you know they haul
0: U-Haul, I-Haul, We-Haul.
1: Yeah, you know they haul stuff right away. But did you know that if you're looking for trucks, trailers, storage? u-box containers or moving supplies founded in 1945 u-haul is your one-stop shop for do-it-yourself moving and self-storage u-haul rental trucks are specifically engineered from the ground up to assist moving families not freight so don't be hauling your tractors around with a u-haul truck we're we're putting couches in a u-haul you know we're putting tables families bedding families Families in that U-Haul. Exactly. Their moving trucks have more safety features than other moving trucks in the industry, including gentle ride suspension and high visibility mirrors to assist the driver. Whether you are moving a small apartment or a large four-bedroom house, U-Haul Truck Rentals in Grand Prairie, Alberta, will provide you with the moving truck rental you need to get from point A to point B. They are home of the $19.95 rental truck. So choose U-Haul to find the perfect size moving truck. The perfect size moving truck to assist with your move. That was almost flawless until I botched it at the last second. Had too many uh,
0: TKIPAs today.
1: Yeah, too many early Sunday morning TKIPAs. All right, who got?
0: uh, I'll go. I mean, I Uh, I got. I'll go first. My. Are you go? Yeah, you go. I don't, think, I don't think we'll have the same A-hole, but I think it's possible that we have the same A-lister. So I'll do my A-lister first. Um, I mean, we already talked about him. <laughs> we already talked about him once today. It's just a quick one. I won't go over too much. But Matt Stafford is my A-lister. Just having him being able to go to the Rams and be on a good squad is, is just exciting for him. He's been on the Lions his whole career. I don't think they've been to the playoffs once. Um, he's put up Hall of Fame-type numbers on a real trash team. So... He is my A-lister, the fact that he finally gets a shot to be with a good team, and it's exciting. All
1: right, all right. My, uh, my A-lister this week, going to go back to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm going to hit it with uh, an Austin Matthews. And uh, you might be wondering, well, he's always good. Like, what makes him an A-lister this week? Well, I saw a little Twitter stat about uh, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews. And this is an advanced statistic. I'm still trying to learn those. But his uh, goals per 60 minutes, even strength. Austin Matthews is ranked second in the last four years of NHL play. You want to know where Connor McDavid ranks? Fifth. So there you have it. Austin Matthews, better than Connor McDavid in yet another category. Always will be. Matthews is the GOAT. That's why he's my A-lister. Who you got for A-hole?
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with that statement more. Really, I know we talked about how good McDavid was earlier today, but uh he seems to me like he might be on his way out of the league. He's kind of a bust and we don't like him. Um a hole. My a hole is is a is a sports columnist for the Toronto Sun. Um, a lot of people know his name. His name is Steve Simmons. He's pretty what he's known did he do? for uh, leaking the facts. Well, you know, well, I just want you know, give an update here. Steve Simmons is the guy who's known for basically shitting on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Absolutely. Anytime he gets, um, he leaked the COVID, the Austin Matthews got COVID. He leaked that when everyone else in league seemed to have a bit of a sense of privacy in terms of that. I mean, now it's different, you know, people get announced when they get COVID. It is what it is. Um, but he kind of set the standard for being a scum, scumbag reporter. And like last night, he's just, He's taken unsolicited shots at the Leafs again. I mean, obviously, some people don't like the jerseys. I get that. But, you know, he always seems to go out of his way to kind of shit talk the Leafs. And this one is brutal Leafs jerseys. You can barely read the numbers. 20, 30 minutes later. um, The power of the fancy new Leaf uniforms last night. It made Alexander Barabanov more invisible than usual. Like, dude, you, like, people hate you and you just continue to make like these comments and then when people respond to you being like dude we hate you he's just like well i'm just i'm a reporter i'm doing my job you don't realize like all these people hate you why do you got to keep making provocative comments i know that's just what people do and that's just kind of how they stay relevant but i mean there's a reason steve simmons has nothing to do with tsn anymore they don't want that scumbag around tsn anymore Mm -hmm. um not got much. I had to unfollow him like a few months ago too. I was tired of seeing his junk on there. Um, but I feel like at some point in my life I needed to make Steve Simmons my a hole of the week, and this was perfect time to do it.
1: The uh, yeah, I don't understand why he always does that. But I, I will be honest. Uh, I don't know why we're dressing Barbano.
0: Oh, he's terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's put in Tyler Boyd or Joey Anderson. Give him a shot
0: because Tyler Boyd should stay in.
1: Mm-hmm, I agree. He is, but he played well for the games that he was in. I do think – Tyler Boyd, did he play for the Flames?
0: Did Tyler Boyd ever play for the Flames? He just sounds like a name for the Calgary Flames.
1: Yeah, that does sound like a a name that will play for the Calgary Flames. No, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'll tell you in about two seconds here, just to plug someone. Because, I
0: mean, like, I don't know. Like, the Flames have those types of guys. They have – they had David Moss. Tyler Boyd is um, American
1: football wide receiver. Okay, Tyler Boyd hockey. All right, here we go. Tyler Boyd. Wait, no, this isn't the right guy. Is his name even Tyler Boyd?
0: Tyler Boyd is Cincinnati Bengals.
1: That's what I said. Travis Boyd. Oh, my gosh. He played for the Capitals.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, he was a center, fourth-line center for them. I remember that. I don't know. I could be spewing things, but Tyler Boyd just sounds like a Calgary Flame type of hockey player. That's it. He's only played for the Capitals. He had 20 20 points in 50 games one year for the Capitals. That's
1: pretty good he yeah, actually is, your he's actually a Stanley Cup champion fun fact
0: mm, bringing some bringing some veteran leadership into the locker room
1: although I don't know if he got his name on the cup because I don't think he played enough games that's sad sad for him oh well um my a-hole this week and I hate to do this but uh, my a-hole this week is myself <laughs> and uh I'll tell you why well, I actually have a couple reasons. I have not been able to motivate myself to do any sort of schoolwork. So that is just, come on, man, pick yourself up, do some work. and stop being an a-hole. Second of all... Keep yourself
0: accountable like the CNG rebels do. Exactly,
1: exactly. You know what? That's the issue. I should have been playing with the CNG rebels. I'd be accountable to be doing my schoolwork right now. My other reason is because... I have not shut up about the thousand follower thing on Twitter and I don't think people actually give a shit. So, uh, I should probably stop talking about that. So that's why I'm labeling myself an a-hole.
0: Hey, I think, I think your thousand followers is pretty lit. So.
1: Yeah. Well, you're also a Twitter guy. I feel like most Twitter guys would get it, but I'm telling people who aren't actually Twitter people and they're like, dude, I don't care. And I'm like, yeah, I should really stop talking about myself. You know, take it. Take a note. From hey, but when you take a note from me, listeners, stop talking about yourselves, or you're going to be the next a-hole on, on the A-list podcast.
0: When couldn't I, have said it better myself, man.
1: Yep. Sometimes no, I got, got I got,
0: nothing. I think that pretty much does it for. I think that pretty much does it for this episode. My computer has been glitchy this whole thing, so sorry yeah. if I've cut you off a couple times. Um, but other than that, I can't wait. I can't wait one day we'll we'll get some some microphones that sound good and some I'll get some wi-fi that that is not sketchy and we'll we'll get to the big league soon enough but um no I got nothing else thanks again for listening episode 15 um we did I think like 22 episodes before with like mad specialists I want to say about 22 24 So we're closing in on 40 we did what 24 yeah so we're closing in on our fortieth podcast. No, we're, uh, um, yeah! Next so episode. Next episode will be our fortieth total. Um, so thanks for everyone for uh, being part of the journey. It's been, it's been, it's been awesome. We're saying goodbye to January. Hello to February. I got nothing else. I'm kind of just rambling on at you this point. So, all
1: right, peace uh, and love.
0: You got anything else?
1: Yeah. No. Peace and love.
0: Peace and love, baby. Hello. 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 <laughs>